Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Internet. It is Wednesday, June 12th, 2019, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, coming to you live from day two of E3 2019, right here in Los Angeles, California. I'm Austin Walker. Joining me today, Rob Zachty, with a cup of gin and coffee in his hand. Yeah, I mean, my commitment knows no bounds. Uh, I gotta have the coffee to get, like, hype for this, but yeah. also I gotta keep it mellow. And, uh, by the way, I gotta be out of here in, like, one hour. Kato is here. Hi, how's it going? Good. It sounds weird because it's on the delay. Oh my god. Well, ah. Don't listen to the delay. I'm, I'm fixing it. I. What's to fix? Nothing. Everything's fine. Patrick Klepek joining me here with a nice lightning bolt shirt. <laughs> I think it's fashionable. I like this shirt. Me too. Who doesn't love lightning? Is this more <laughs> of a Harry Potter thing, or as Rob suggested, a lightning from no, Final Fantasy? No, it's just a print. It's just but you've a, got ice cream? I like ice cream. Everyone knows why like ice cream would be on a shirt. It's ice cream. It's colorful. Yeah. It's delicious. Also, it's ironic because usually when you get ice cream on a shirt, it's a bad thing. But yeah, like, but in this case. <laughs> of course, it's the pattern. Wow, exactly. In this case, I, if I got lightning bolts on a shirt, I'd be, that'd be bad. Yeah. It'd be rough. But I like your courage. <laughs> Speaking of aesthetics. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think of that restaurant? So, longtime listeners of Waypoint Radio this week. No. <laughs> That we have had one goal at E3 2019, and that is to eat at Shaquille's. Uh, not, I guess it is a possessive. It is. I looked it up a moment ago. Okay. It is not plural. <laughs> that would be a Multiple, different restaurant. Wow. Multiple Shaquille's. Uh, it is a restaurant uh, of Southern cooking. And loud music. And loud music in the LA Live area, mm-hmm. which is downtown-ish near the Staples Center yep. and the LA Convention Center. And we got it in our heads back in day negative two, mm-hmm. I'd say. We walked by it. We went yeah. to go see Microsoft. We go see the, no, I think it was the Nintendo stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. And then we were going to take a cab back. Yeah. And I was like, like what? And there's yeah. always, every year we come back, that, that that area has been like so developed. Every year. Every year there's something new. Yeah. Um, uh, some other bullshit. And this year I was like, is that this shit? Does Shaq have a restaurant? Mm-hmm. Southern cooking with Shaquille. With Shaquille, sure, sure, I'm down. Yeah, and we walked past it this morning, and we kind of realized we looked at our schedule and said, if we can get Patrick to move this 6 p.m. earlier, we could do an early dinner at Shaquille's, come back, knock out this podcast, be done at a reasonable time, and then we went to Shaquille's. <laughs> um, 
What would you, if we all picked one word to define the vibe of Shaquille's, what would it be? Well, the first thing that hits you is it's just incredibly fucking loud. Loud. Like, mm. loud is the first, like, do you like concrete floors and large open spaces and very few soft surfaces? Uh-huh. Shaquille's got you covered. Shaquille's got you covered. Loud. Kata, one word. Open? Open. Like an open office plan? Yeah. Yeah. In like a weird way, though. Also, like, like most op- restaurants are, but there's like things in between or like yeah. booths and things that break up the space more. And this was just like one giant room, and we were kind of, kind of in the middle of it. We were right in the middle. We're holding court, I'd say. Also, open's good because I bet a lot of people go, like, Well, what should we get? Oh, this is open. Yeah. And you just go in right. and you just use <laughs> the food there. Patrick, one word sauce. Ooh, sauce. Why? What was saucy? The shack sauce on my burger. <laughs> burger. S H A Q shack. No. Yeah. Natural. Nah. The, the canonical spelling of shack. <laughs> we figure out what that shack sauce situation is. No, was? I'm, right. I, I, when I was ordering, I was trying to pick between two burgers, and one had the shack sauce and one did not. And when uh, our server came over, I was like, could you tell me what the shack You know what? I don't need to know. I answered Take my own question. Sauce. Get the one with the shack sauce. I'm at Shaquille's. You're at Shaquille's. When I'm in his hands, I'm family. Shaquille's. That's, the, that's how they We, we had a phrase for the restaurant. I can't remember it, though. Me either. I, I'm filled with Shaquille's instead of thoughts about Shaquille's now. Shaquille's. Shaquille's, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a good... That's, that's, that's his Mexican spot. Shaquille's. Shaquille's. Uh, my one word is denim, because everyone there had a uniform, and it was black pants and a denim shirt. Oh. Which is yeah. not a good combo, I think. Mm. And I think it speaks to the incongruity of style in that place, because there were, like, ferns on the walls... But it was like southern cooking. You could get like a little porcelain tub of stuffing. But there were like modernist lights, light fixtures, and everyone was wearing denim. It was a very messy vibe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, like there was no like there was no coherence to its themes. Right. Uh, yeah, I would have to say uh, it wasn't a like the chemistry is bad on that. It was like it's what happens when you build an entire t- team around like just Shaq and whatever other parts you got lying around. Exactly. So that was Shaquille's. Uh, food was a. Uh, I had like. It was good enough. It was good enough. The sliders were good. The sliders were good. The ribs less so. My burger was pretty decent. They but like, decent. which one did you? Which one was it? The the Shack burger. The Shack burger. Yeah. Did you get it with the American cheese? Yeah. I did not. Mm. I got pepper jack. Mm. I got a fried chicken sandwich. Right, good. That's like the specialty. The fried chicken there. It was good. All like, right. I should have gone with chicken instead of instead of ribs. I think that was the way to go. Your ribs looked really tough. They were tough. They weren't tender. There was no meat falling. At off first, the I was really excited. I was like, "Damn, they are bringing the, the presentation ribs. through the roof." Yes, yeah. you, you really got to admire. The, yeah. the ribs. There were too many of them for me. I couldn't finish mm-hmm. those ribs, but I would have been able to if they were dripping off the bone and the way they should be. And instead, it was just kind of like, arr, arr, arr. I don't get the sense the shack eats there. Shaq is eaten there, certainly. Well, sure, take a photo op. Right. I like that the on the burger list it was the Shaq burger, and underneath was the Kobe burger or the Kobe burger. Shaq's on top. You know that. The, right. I don't care if it's Kobe beef or not. We Kobe, all know who the star is. Kobe here. comes second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is that all we got to say? Oh, and then I ordered us a car home. Mm-hmm. I ordered us a Lyft. I was like, give me the big one. We're big. We just we filled up on barbecue and Southern Comfort and not Southern Comfort. We did not drink Southern, no. Southern Comfort, Comfort. Southern not. Comfort food, uh, and uh, we 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 are, we need a big truck and a tiny sedan showed up. Not even was, like a regular. That was a compact. It was sedan. a compact car. 
it was really uncomfortable and we sat in traffic for like 40 minutes. So also we waited for the car to show up an extra like five, 10 minutes because it's like, it says the car is here, but the car we're looking for is not here. Eventually this little compact rolls down its window and is like, Austin? And yeah. Austin's like, yeah. my guy. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm here for you. Like, get in. And like, Kato goes, like, checking the plates. Like, Austin, this isn't our car. The plate's wrong. Austin, the plate's wrong. And I'm like, we are about to get killed. <laughs> the plate by... was not wrong. The plate was not out. wrong. I misread, I misread on Austin. Wow. When we got, which is weirder because when we got in, we started talking about, he was like, you ordered an XL? And I was like, yes, I ordered an XL. Look at us. And he was like, oh, that's my next car. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> is he driving to a facility and switching plates onto a new truck after this? Yeah. I want to know. That's not legal. No. no. But, and that was the thing. He seemed pissed at us that we'd gotten in the cab. Like, you know, oh, you ordered an XL? Like, it was our fault we'd ordered an XL, and then we're rudely, right. like, four people crammed into a compact. Look, sometimes a pizza place runs out of cheese. It's oh. been, man, what a weird <laughs> see, this is the thing about like how the gig economy just like robs everyone of their dignity and satisfaction in the uh, commercial transaction. We ordered a pizza two days ago or yesterday. Whatever yesterday, the that was. Well, I ordered two pizzas. You did. One pizza showed up, and I, sir, where's the second? Pizza? Where's the second pizza? It's like, oh, they ran out of cheese. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I was, I was taken aback. Did not know. You know, credit to the guy. Yeah. Did not know how to respond to that. I was like, they ran. He's like, yeah, they had to go to the store and get more cheese. Is that a thing? <laughs> the cheese store. I'm sorry. Fromagerie. <laughs> yeah. It was like and, 8 p.m., by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the cheese store is closed, sir. And so. Sir, he, this uh, is a cheese store. And then uh, he's like, you're going to have to call Grubhub or whatever. And so I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to dispute this with you. And then Grubhub immediately calls and is like, uh, "Hey, Patrick, what the fuck just happened?" <laughs> That's like, what did the driver tell you? I was like, he said the pizza store was out of cheese. Pizza, <laughs> pizza store. And and they're like, huh? I was like, yeah, that was my response too. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of times the reason places are listed on Grubhub and Seamless and those other things like they don't have a drivers, driver. right? And this is the way they solve that uh, lack that, that lacking feature. And so the place felt so bad, apparently, that the, the owner of the establishment like finished the pizza. He could have saved himself a trip. I'll be it honest. wasn't particularly good, but that was shout good, out. That was to, a good call from you. I was. That's the last time we let order let Patrick order the pizza. Wow! I look. I went by it the rule. I look at went the rule of one thousands, which is that if it has a thousand four at least four star reviews you have a pretty decent shot of it being good the place was fine oh that second pizza was not good no oh yeah but i i warned everyone i was like i'm going weird on the second one you did i said i can get a cheese and they're like wow get something else you weren't listening you weren't involved god damn it you were elsewhere you also ate several bites several pieces of that pizza i did it wasn't good yeah so <laughs> under protest i never i never you remember that day where we scored a, i went off to get into it we scored a major victory kato uh advice over some shit yeah and we we were like busy working but then like someone who is great a good friend of ours joel fowler was like i'm gonna get pizza yeah and he ordered a couple pizzas to celebrate and they were like playing games down in the space that we do some streams from sometimes yeah and we had to finish up work for that day right and by the time we got there the only pizza left was buffalo chicken pizza covered in blue cheese Just and neither of us like blue cheese nope. and, we, and i was like i'm gonna take a slice of this pizza 
I'm gonna do it because it's polite. They ordered pizza for us. Other people had shown up mm-hmm. to get free pizza. Sure. And then I started eating that pizza, and I immediately, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't. And I, so I left the party. I was like, yeah. I have to, I have to go check it, you know, on something, so I could leave and throw out this pizza I'd bitten into and didn't like. E3 2019 is ongoing. We we wasted a whole half hour of Rob's, of Rob's limited time. Rob, I'm gonna let you take the driving wheel here. Hold on, I just want to point out that okay. when we sat down, <laughs> Rob turns to me and goes, "What time is it?" I was like, "Oh, quarter to seven. He's like, "Cool, we should wrap this up around eight. <laughs> to, to which Austin stared at him and said, "What podcast have you been on this week?" He's like, "Why?" He's like. I got a thing to be at. In my defense, <laughs> uh-huh. today was shaping up. We'd be pretty like early out of E3. It's, it was. And I was like, hey, like Danny and Drew, Shout we, outs. we should push this back to like 8 o'clock-ish just to be safe. No way Shaquille's going to take three hours. Shaquille's took three hours. So really, who's to blame? Shaquille's. Is it, is it me who didn't tell anyone I had this commitment tonight? <laughs> or is it... The restaurant, right, and that uh-huh. sketchy Uber driver. It's true. Like, who can say? Just, just like life, blame can go everywhere. You just spread it around. Rather, it like in the incident that transpired between Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton at the Canadian Grand Prix, which you need to hear about on an episode you dare not miss. I've never seen him promo. That was a good like promo. That. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, the podcast is Shift F One. Uh, you should probably uh, look it up. Uh, Shift F1. Uh, that's the F- Formula One podcast to do with. Uh, Find it in the art section Drew of Scanlon iTunes. Daniel Dwyer. Great. Almost landed the promo. Very close. Just yeah. practice at it. Yeah. Friends of the Table is an actual play podcast focused on critical world building, smart characterization, and fun interaction between great friends. Find out more at friendsatthetable.cash. Dot cash. Dot cash. Mm. It's a Patreon. You go to dot net to listen, but go to dot cash. Yeah. You saw some games, Rob. I sure did. Where do you want to start? Man, um, well, when I was very young, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I received a Nintendo <laughs> Entertainment System uh, for Christmas one year. Initially, big, I was really into Duck Hunt. This is the most I've felt flustered by this specific line of question as when one time Dan Riker was like, can I ask a small question? And everyone was like, yeah. And he was like, all right. In the beginning, <laughs> before there was anything... <laughs> Great. Thanks. Oh wait, is this the um, apples can't be made out of like yeah. s- like stars? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, that one where he didn't know. Well, it was a beautiful moment of like him coming. It's a beautiful moment. No, we like go look Carl Sagan would have been thrilled. Yeah, basically he arrived. The, the, at Carl Sagan, the Carl Sagan quote of "To bake an apple pie, you must first create the universe." Yes. Like Dan Reichert had that moment on a podcast where he understood. Yeah. Like, what that meant. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was where he just he came to understand like computers are made of rocks. And it was good. <laughs> Rocks we talked to think. Yeah, totally. Wow. Uh, so I would say uh, where to lead off. Um, let's go into just since we were just talking about Shift F1, let's talk about the other thing that's me like on my shit, which is I saw Age of Empires 2. Totally. Uh, which you certainly played when you were young. Yeah. Originally. Uh, it's been a minute. Um, and so I went over to the Microsoft area. They've, they've got meeting rooms over in the Microsoft Theater. And... Uh, I was actually surprised, like how thorough the presentation was. Like sure. it, it was uh, a couple people from Microsoft. Uh, I think one of them from the team that's made some of the HD editions of the uh, old ensemble games. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, interestingly enough, um, 
I think the guy's name was Adam Ice Green. Uh, was from Adam Ice Cream. Ice Green. Oh, okay. Uh, Still it, a good name. Ice Green. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, apologies down. if I got that name wrong. Uh, but yeah, change it. Is from an as yet like unnamed uh, internal Microsoft studio handling Age of Empires. Interesting. Uh, Generally. Yes. Ooh. Right. And so right away that sort of go to caught- print. New Age of Empires <laughs> confirmed by Waypoint. And the other thing he did, he was at pains to point out, is that yes, there's an internal studio at Microsoft, like overseeing the series now with these remasters, and then Age of Empires four. But he said we're not taking anything away from our, anything away from our partners. So like, Relic is still apparently on Age of Empires four, uh, though it's been a little bit since we've heard anything about that. Um, they're still working with uh, the team that's made some of the HD editions. So like, in terms of the things that we've already heard about, nothing's changed. Mm. Uh, but as for the future of Age of Empires, apparently there is a future of Age of Empires, uh, and there's like an internal team at Microsoft uh, handling it now. And the question I asked was, you know, when we were talking about this the other day, I was sort of talking about Age of Empires is sort of back, and they're like putting it in, a pride, in a sort of a place of honor. Mm-hmm. Flight Unlimited, uh, no, Flight Unlimited, not a good flight sim though. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, uh, coming back, I, I sort of asked the question about what does this mean about where the PC is at internally at Microsoft, and uh, you know the the, the response was uh, you know apparently pretty high up in the company, like C-suite level. Like there's a lot of buy-in for for this idea that Microsoft had a lot of really valuable and respected franchises back in the '90s that were kind of allowed to lapse or lie fallow. And they are, you know, on board with sort of getting them back off the ground. I love that the resurgence of Microsoft's PC games division is more 90s nostalgia. Like, man, remember when we were kids? Things were fucking cool. And this is one of those things. I hadn't thought about 90s nostalgia coming up to us in this particular way. Well, or like corporations could have 90s nostalgia. Right. Like in right. a weird way. Like, right. I don't, know, I, like, I don't know what the business case is for this, but it does almost seem like there's an internal image thing where like, my, like there's some school of thought within Microsoft right now that is like, damn, you know, we used to be a really major, P, like we used to be a major PC games publisher and mm-hmm. we kind of completely like lit that on fire uh, to push Xbox, and now we'd like it back. I wonder if part of it is seeing companies that historically were not big PC publishers get into the space. You look at someone like Sega, yeah. who, console company. And just Japanese companies in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Finding have mo- success. Have moved and like re- made a lot of money and like revi- like revitalized. I think part of the, the, the Yakuza revival is like directly connected to the PC becoming unlocked as like a place mm-hmm. for people to play those games. Totally, totally. Um, How was Age of Empires 2 HD? Just Age of Empires. Yeah, it's, they're not dropping the HDs. This is Definitive Edition. That's Sorry, what they're called. Definitive Edition, edition. not HD. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it looked, I mean, it looked gorgeous. Um, okay. It also looked uh, consistent with the original. So it's not... Uh, it's still a 2D game, yeah. uh, but it's just a much more detailed cool. 2D game uh, with lots of quality of life improvements. But they're not trying to change it uh, too much. They've upgraded the AI. Uh, and then also, um, just a couple quick things. If, apparently, if you own the HD edition, because remember they released that HD remaster through this other partner studio um, a few years back. Right. It has not been beloved. Uh, the remaster is all right. 
but the net code wasn't. Uh, and so you can, I think Bruno Diaz wrote this, wrote about this a little bit when he wrote about Age of Empires 2 for us. But basically, if you want to play like high level Age of Empires multiplayer, you actually have to play the original edition, mm-hmm. uh, the disc editions that Microsoft put out. That action is not happening as much with the remaster. Okay. Um, this is apparently like should solve that problem, but if you have the HD edition, uh, you get five dollars off the game. It's twenty dollar game, so if okay. you have that remaster, you can pick this up for fifteen. This quickly is a note that uh, noting the fifteen dollar price tag reminds me that a thing that we didn't mention a few days ago is that the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate is not just the PC Game Pass and the console Game Pass. It's also Xbox Live Gold. Yeah, they mentioned that during the... But we didn't on the call or on the call. Jeez, (laughs) we do a lot of podcasts over call uh, on the podcast. And in my mind, that clicks it into place. Because at the time, I remember watching it and being like, oh, I guess it's like $10 plus $5. That's just how much it is. They don't cost... It doesn't cost more. Right. So having that knowledge of being like, oh, wow, that's a $30 price tag normally at $15. uh, Great. Okay, cool. So, yeah, $15. Um, also, in this room, they had a giant wall with all the Age of games ever. Huh. And I asked, like, well, I see Age of Mythology there. Like, sure. you know, where are you at with that? Uh, the answer is once they're through with the definitive editions on Age of Empires, like, they're not sure where this road goes, but right. they're, they're already sort of having those internal conversations about, like, do we just want to, do we want to put all of this out there? Do we want to bring all of it back? Um, last thing I'll say is... I don't usually do the, you know, how much content is in this, but my God, this is absurd. Uh, so it's like 27 different campaigns between the stuff that was in the original game, the original, the, the expansion oh, campaigns to the original game, the stuff that was added with the HD remaster. And then there's like a bunch of new, there's like four new factions with the definitive edition. Oh, wow. Yeah. What are those factions? Um, not sure. Okay. Uh, they didn't, we didn't get into that too much. Um, I know that the campaign they were playing was Tamerlane's uh, campaign, so one of the Mongol uh-huh. uh, campaigns. But um, the other thing to so what they were saying is twenty seven campaigns, way more than I would probably ever have an interest in doing. But you know, hey, it's there. They mentioned that uh, if you nail every single campaign mission on the first try, it's about two hundred hours of RTS mission. So somebody out there is going to be like pretty hyped Woo! to hear that. It ain't me. Um, I was more excited to hear about like better tutorialization of yeah. like how to play RTS at a high level, I, but still. I mean, this is the thing for me is like I that's a lot of that's a lot of hours. Have has that design held up? Has like the Age of Empires two design? Is it still two hundred hours worth of game? I don't. I can't imagine that it would be. But the, here's the weird thing: people love those games. A lot of people love playing those campaigns, and they're all just like stories of like. Yeah. You're William Wallace fucking up the English. Right. And you just do a little skirmish mission where you fuck up the English. And yeah, that was me. I played all of those games. Like, I love Yeah, H2 but it was also my all the dad. DLCs. Sure. And I think there might still be, like, dads or, like, dad-type gamers. More dads are, than ever. Who don't, who don't play games, but they have a laptop, could run this and be like, yeah. fuck it. I'm just, this is all I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah, like, can you, can you imagine someone who's, like, looking for a somewhat engaging but still fundamentally chill experience to do while you, like, sort of watch TV or something? Like, mm-hmm. I could there see was, There was a profile I did, uh, I think, last year or the year before about this guy who was so bummed that Asheron's Call was being shut down that's the only game he played he was like 70s like he played that for like 10 years like that was just it like he did other things had asheron's call up and 
didn't know, like, did not care. Yeah, yeah. I, that's didn't a great shit story. about video games yeah. and just gave a shit about Ashman's Call. And I can imagine strategy games in particular attracting a certain type of person that does not play video games. They just play that. Especially the Age of Empires 2 model, which is like bold in contrast to something where like the, the differences between uh, factions is like production rates on grain or whatever. Like, Age of Empires 2 is very, it's, a historical RTS, but it's also a little cartoonish. Everything felt so clear and crisp in terms of the different the differentiation between factions at the time. And like, I don't know, it was like such an easy RTS to get into. Um, yeah. And also, but there was an action figure element to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like everybody, like everyone's city walls and fortifications look different. Like yeah. depending on what civ you're playing, like your walled city will look different than someone else's. Uh, Very that, toy box in that sense. Yeah, and that does look cool. It's interesting you say that, Austin, because like on one level you're right. We're like roughly these civilizations, it's easy to grok like, what their special yeah. unit is. Uh, and there's a lot of crossover in how they interact with mechanics. But there's also so much crossover that the differences between them get very subtle at the same time. It's sure. like, oh, this faction actually... It's really the second age of this game where you're in when you're in the feudal age, and then actually like what you really want is a lot of wooden food. You don't need gold so much, and then you can build this like death ball army, and you got to hit your window. Right, and like that's the game at the high level of like just knowing that oh, like all these civilizations play somewhat alike, but you actually do need to know what that power spike is right. and know how to use it. So right. it's a that's interesting. This is why this game is still beloved. Totally, cool. Uh, you see anything else you want to hit before you have to go talk about race cars? Uh, well, speaking of racing, Patrick, we saw some people in a hurry to get around town in Dying Light 2. <laughs> Just a tortured <laughs> metaphor. Why? Speaking of torture, <laughs> Dying Light 2 reinstates the medieval eras. He was even racing a with... car. Oh, really? There yeah. are cars in Dying Light 2 now? Yeah, I would say, okay. When so... I saw that game last year, it was straight up the world has become a feudal state again. I think there's like oh it's that oh but also cars one of the so uh, there's a similar evolution between when we talked about cyberpunk last night like uh, the demo from last the demo from this year the what we saw last year was more really heavy on story stuff um, last what we saw last year on Dying Light Two Dying Light Two right um, didn't necessarily feel like a game like yeah. you could the way it was stitched together I was like I don't know what I'm actually doing in this game no. um, this felt very much like yeah I'm watching Dying Light 2 like especially if you've played Dying Light like everything about this demo is like yeah I just, yeah okay um, it's fast like there's parkour in Dying Light that is a huge differentiating factor of that game but they have just added so many they've just smoothed it out to such a degree that I am curious to see how that works when a, a normal person is playing with it that they're not going to be able to identify that stuff, at least up front, right? Like you could imagine what they were doing in the demo where they were just like busting through things, moving at such a pace that was just, they never had to stop. They mm -hmm. never had to slow down. There was always something in front of them that they could do something with. And often it didn't feel obvious in the way that a lot of games with uh, traversal where it's like, got to paint the white on the, you know, yeah. the side, like, you know where to go. They built... I don't know how this outworked in Dying Light, but they, they mentioned that in Dying Light 2, like the way their technology works is like every structure that is put in the game is climbable, right? Like by the yeah. parkour engine that they have, like, you know, tech they have put together. Doesn't mean you can always access it, but like every structure when laid down will allow it can be interacted with the player combined with things like a grappling hook um, allow you to just do all, a lot. And it's just the speed that game has, the verticality that game has. Uh, it was just a lot of, it was a fun to watch. Like, 
I was getting distracted by my phone for some things I needed to take care of. And I was like, I want to keep looking at this yeah. game. I got a strong American Ninja Warrior vibe off the game. And like watching it was like <laughs> watching this character traverse stuff and like climb really unexpected things where you're like, oh, there's about to like bug splat against a wall. And then they like hook themselves up cool. like a weather vane or something. And in my head, I'm starting to be like, you know, he's been working in his, uh, you know, gym in the backyard. He actually built himself a dying light wow. obstacle course. He's part of a Facebook <laughs> community group uh, where yeah. they meet up yeah. and do uh, zombie runs. Uh, is Fred Ted is uh, here. You know, Ted plays the zombie when in the backyard obstacle okay. course. Uh, there was a lot of uh, cool stuff. Like, and... Also, there was a lot of combat parkour in some ways where, like, you are running and, like, you sort of run up and, like, jump off a zombie's fucking shoulders to vault over him and onto the Yeah, you use them right. as, like, a yeah. jumping yeah. pad. Yes, yeah, yeah. There was another moment where, um, to mitigate the fall damage... You, uh, you know, unclear how this works mechanically, Very but it is, but it is, but it is a mechanic in which, like, rather than like go around the zombie, there's a there's a window in front. He just pushes the zombie and then uses the zombie to cushion his fall. And it was, yeah. it's like it's some bullshit, but damn, it looked cool as hell. And again, like, it's an E3 demo. Who knows how it'll be in the game? But yeah. I also love this detail where, like, as civilians are watching you come, just tearing through, like some of them watch you just barreling down on them, and like they come like look like what's going on, and then they like realize that you are coming through that You're window, booking. and they start like backpedaling like crazy wow. to get out of the way. Uh, so like the parkour, parkour looked great. The catch is always that a bit rather like with um, the EA game that everyone Mirror's, Mirror's Edge. Edge. Uh, Mirror's Edge also had this problem where when you were in that flow state when everything was going well it felt great once you broke it it didn't feel as Mm -hmm. great but that's also because the combat was so poor in Mirror's Edge and so often like Dying Light uh, building off of Dead Island a game whose combat I did did really like um, and the combat in here looks really smooth we're getting I I don't know is this getting picked up on the mic? Okay. Okay. Well, you're just, there's um, some landscaping going on. You know, they're just maintaining. Mm-hmm. Not that tree, though. <laughs> That's the neighbor's. Tr- okay, so hmm, we don't have time. We don't. I think that you should, generally speaking, make sure that giant trees you have don't go over onto in next to your your neighbor's house, blocking a big door or climb through their front door. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just just saying. Anyway. But the combat looked all right. Yeah. Big change is it's no longer weapon effects are randomized. It is triggered. Yeah. So the way that like Dead Island and Dying Light worked is like you could get a, like a, fire, a fire stick or whatever. But it, it <laughs> well, that wouldn't work so fire well. Fire bad. Yeah. Like a fire, you, you would make like, like a, a sword that has a, like an electric, uh, a shock effect. Right. On it, and, but right? it would, it would be a, a percentage base, right? Yes. So it'd be like, you get it like a quarter of the time. Yeah. Whereas in this, like, it sounds like they're going to go down sort of like empowering the player with elemental effects like no right now i want to use fire like no right now i want to use shock you burning through resources to do that they didn't really explain that part of it but i would i would guess that like yeah you'd have attachments that like run out um or they probably just break like sure. very easily sure. um yeah i one uh one that wasn't as present in what we saw last year but the uh, was a much more present in this one is like as the parkour is happening you're getting all these little glimpses into like smaller parts of the society like the demo opens in a bar that where people are just chilling and like having a good time and like part part like that's not new to see stuff like that in games of this but i appreciate when games 
emphasize like in their post-apocalyptic fiction that like people would relax people would like find a way to like just have a night out and like i like found the bar to be like really credible and atmospheric and sounded great the bar was fantastic yeah it like, like really cool. set like a kind of mood that you're like oh like they're really setting a they were setting the, the the staging for the world really well incredibly and like you know how I feel about a good audio mix. And again, like who knows how these things <laughs> appear like once a game is released in the yeah. wild. And you're not in a theater specifically built right. so that and the audio mix is fantastic. Right, and almost certainly they probably assigned specific audio channels for this theater. You know what I mean? Like they've probably done a lot to dress sure. this up. But like in you're in this uh, sort of like uh, yeah, this this nightclub uh, as everyone's waiting for the water supply to finally run down uh, in, in the city. Yeah, it's a big game. it's a big party. Because they don't know where the water... They've literally run out of water. Yeah. Everyone could die in the next couple of months. And so, fuck it. Let's party. Yeah. And it starts out, like, the uh, diegetic, like, sound that you hear in the game. Like, the music that's scoring, that, that is accompanying the scene, is being played by a musician on the stage. Uh, it's a metric song. The one uh, from the trailer. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Right, right. Is metric in the game? No. Mm. No, the, the, the act was uh, a woman named Lola, but okay. it's a metric song. But what was really cool is it sounded utterly convincing when you're like, the demo starts in the bathroom and you only hear like the bass oh, line really through cool. the wall. And then you open it and as it's slowly, Hell as you yeah. walk through it, you hear it sharper and sharper. And then at a key moment, um, like as you interact with one of the first major characters, the mix completely clears up. And the guy turns around, the conversation begins, and the main line of the song comes in. Yeah. It's just, it's a moment. I wonder if that moment's going to be in the game, or if that's an E3 demo where you can really tune it and craft it in such a way. It, it, it's, by all appearances, it was like a, one of the first major like quest lines in the game. Right, so right, I right. wouldn't, uh, but yes. you know what I mean? Like yes. being in the bathroom, timing it that way, all Correct. this stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, was, it was unclear like how much control the player would have in that actual yeah. situation in which you would lose that moment. But, it, you know, we've all, we've all had that stuff in games like, you know, Red Dead Redemption fumbles the stuff right and left where like things don't sound like you're in the moment. You're not in the scene. They sound too distant or they cut out weirdly. Like it just got me really excited about the idea of, oh yeah, when you're in this world, like there's a lot of details that like remind you like where you're standing. Like you're, you are in this place in this moment. Mm -hmm. It was, it was really cool. cool. Um, is that stuff? It, so last, last year the demo we saw was super interested in like, choice and and the world changing based on those choices. Yes, yeah, so we, we interviewed someone after and was like, you know, this demo seemed much more this is how you play the game. And they're like, yeah, like last year was about okay. selling people on the story, announcing Chris Avalon as like one of the story writers. And we had this interesting moment where right. one of the designers we were talking to, no, this is this year, um, where um, I don't know how, it, in which question it came up, but uh, oh, it was, it was when I was asking about um, the story of the game and he's like, you know, and you know we read we read the comments online about our games and mm -hmm. Dying Light, you know Dead Island. Um, the way people sort of talk about our studio is that good at gameplay, not good at stories. And this like really like like, and he said, and that's why we hired like someone from the the, the, the uh, main quest writer of the Bloody Baron quest and right, Witcher right. is working on this. Is they announced that stuff around at E3 last year. Last year. Yeah. Um, but it was just like kind of like the, it was. I'm not selling it well enough, but like the way he said it, he was like, yeah, like we suck at stories and like we want to show people that like we're doing a better job of that. It was like a really interesting way to phrase something which most developers are like, and how we're expanding the story in the sequel and then that's how you put the positive spin. He was just like, yeah, like 
People said it wasn't good, and it it wasn't good. <laughs> there were some cleverly designed because they were still showcasing choice. Like the thing that sets this off is it's like sort of a fraught meeting of like the five families that's about mm-hmm. to go down, trying to cut a deal around water uh, to avert this disaster. And like things go bad, and you think you know what's happened, but like crucially, like it seems very cut and dried what you've just seen. But like crucially. What did you actually see? Like you were actually looking away when everything went down. What actually happened? Um, and so you go through this entire quest to like basically invade this fascist compound. Uh, and who like, controls the water? Right. And you manage to do that, and you get in there. You infiltrate the compound. You get in there. And if you're like you're probably expecting this game has heavy metro uh, feel. Like just it feels a lot like a metro game. You might be expecting it to feel like the Reich uh, bases in Metro. You get in there, and like, you know, it feels pretty chill. Like there's, there's just like, people. There's people on like a tire swing. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's like people a, at like a little market. There's a class taking place, and like the kids are just being taught like normal like daycare type stuff, not like how here's how you serve the state, but like. Right, right. And so, it's and the like, character remarks upon that. Like he radios back to home base. He's got like his uh, binoculars out, and he's like. Hey, so you sent me to this like war compound. It just seems like a lot of nice people. And what's cool is that's still ambiguous, right? Like, you know, it could easily be like fascism for for you know externally facing, where you know, uh, brutal and exploitative. But internally, right. like you know, we like to have fun here. Uh, we we keep it pretty nice. <laughs> but uh, crucially, uh, it turns into one of those situations where. You hit the like in the in the uh, demo, the character you've sort of been brought to confront lit, seems very genuine when he does not know what the hell has just happened and what has gone wrong, and so you have to make a really snap choice. Well, does it, like, I love the way the dialogue is framed because the reason you go after was it the general yeah. or something like that um, uh, is like oh yeah like your men killed our guy was it, uh, Fred or Frank Frank Frank, Frank. sure. Um, Loves Terminator. And <laughs> and when you get up to confront the general, uh, he's like, you guys, you guys killed Frank. And he's like, we did? <laughs> it, like in a genuinely sort of like, what? And he's like, who shot him? He's like, uh, he's like, did you, did you see our guys shoot your guy? He's like, and, and your character goes, um, well, Matt said, and it's like, <laughs> It's like your parent just caught you in oh, a lie. Yeah. And it's like, a, it's like, a, one, it's like, then you, when you rethink back through the scene, like, he's fucking right. Like, when there's a panning of the camera where you see the groups talking, then you pan over to talk to someone else. Yeah. You hear a shot. You don't actually know what happened down there. You just then sprint into action right. and murder a bunch of fools and then go off on this quest. Huh. So then when he confronts you, that, like, that's cool. It's like, you know, you seem evil and fascist, but you've got a point here. Well, and so you make the choice. Like, uh, in the demo, they make the choice. Like, ah, fuck it. We're going to turn on the water pumps uh. and release it. And so there's a cutscene of, like, the reservoirs being drained and the water, like, draining out this entire segment of the city that's been submerged for, like, years. Right. And so, like, that becomes a new playable area, uh, what used to be buried under the reservoir. But the flip side is that entire, like, base that you just went through with, like, the schools and everything... Uh, becomes a like dry, deserted wasteland as that faction gets 
gets wiped out uh, after being weakened. So that was one of the big things they did focus on last year was like huge structural change in the environment as the choices get made. The one that they'd shown last year was that like you can either choose to turn one location into kind of a black market where you can buy and sell stuff and or a kind of like free water tower for everyone to come to and like get the water. But if you do the water one, it was being controlled by like the hyper-military faction. It felt uh, very, if people played Witcher 2, like Witcher 2 has a moment in which you make a major story decision that cuts off, it basically splinters the last third of the game and just enormous amounts of game you will just never see. And and, and I don't know if it's going quite that far, but it does feel like they are, at least the way they're they're pitching the game is around like, you're going to make choices and it's not just like a character's mad at you. It's like, no, just like that part of the city is fundamentally changed and yeah. you will never experience whole quest lines as a result. It is so frustrating, but like because I know to do the thing I'm about to present means more work and also is like anathema to designer intent, which is to not waste work or to not produce stuff that players don't see. But I more and more wish that I could play games that did this exact thing and locked me out of stuff. I saw briefly, and we'll talk more a little bit, Outer Worlds today. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the questions I asked uh, to one of the writers on that game, or one of the narrative designers, not a writer, um, probably also a writer, but narrative designer means something different, um, was like, hey, how often are my choices, you know, in the games that are kind of in the Fallout or, or a kind of Elder Scrolls you know, uh, 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 heritage, um, you often get a choice inside of a dialogue uh, conversation where you go like, oh, I can use my charm skill. Oh, I can use my hacking skill in this to like get a little thing on the side. And those normally give you bonuses. They give you maybe extra money or an extra side objective that gives you maybe a slightly better narrative outcome um, and maybe more experience points or a special weapon. But it's rare that a choice that you make fully shuts down an entire branch of play. And there are, ex- there are exceptions in like major, major, major quest lines. But, you know, he basically said like, yeah, one of our big touchstones is like to not lead to to not cut the player off from content. Like, it was one of those moments where I was like, "Yeah, I figured." Like, yeah, yeah that is the and way. You see how you arrive at that? Yeah, but, I do. But, but like, I I think back. Like, Witcher is like probably the, the last time I where I, I remember uh, I played that game because Vinny Caravella loved The Witcher and no one else. And I was like, oh, you know, Vinny, I'm gonna play The Witcher too. And then like we picked different sides, and it was like so fucking cool to talk about that game then because we had completely different even though you end like you wrap around and yeah. then conclude the same way but it was just such a neat thing to be like holy shit I didn't see any of that stuff yeah. in the game and to see whole different sides of a conflict in which you can't easily go figure that out yeah. um, and so you know games are expensive totally and they're but, hard so yeah. I, but yeah, yeah, I yeah. wish I wish even in even if you're not going to cut off like a whole third of a game I, I like even though as a player, I hate. But like intellectually as a player, I love yeah. when a game says like, no. I would love to play through Dying Light 2 and at the end of us compare notes about what our cities feel and look like and how those things cascaded out in different ways. And I wouldn't feel cheated by not having the same stuff you, y'all do. Right. And also, games are way too long right now and for my life, and that's a subjective thing, I know. But if that means the difference between making a 10-hour game or a 20-hour game or a 30-hour game, and you go with a 10, but like my playthrough feels really distinct, I'm super happy with that. Yeah. I mean, this is reminiscent of a conversation I had with Cara Ellison yesterday about uh, Vampire. Uh, Do we want to like pivot and start talking about that a little bit? Um, you have one more day where you might get a chance to see it. So I doubt I'm going to. They've not reached out to me at all. Okay. Um, 
I would love to. I have plenty of time. If you're yeah. listening and you have an extra spot in your bloodlines, didn't you demo, already do this pitch? But maybe someone who's watching. If you have a Bloodlines 2 demo seat available, I can sneak in there. You let me know, and I'll drop everything and do it. Maybe not. Yeah, no. I I have one thing tomorrow left. I mean, it's a big one thing. It's Nintendo. But, right. like, I can figure it out. Oh, fingers crossed. Let's talk about it tomorrow if, we, okay. if you haven't made but, it happen. So tell me the thing, yeah, So I, I talked about that, that. Like, what they were laying out is there's some really major choices you make that, like, inflect... Uh, the arc of your relationship with certain factions and uh, they have a lot of ripple effects, not just in terms of faction relationships, but like things that happen in the world. And the thing I sort of asked was you have the kind of uh, telltale or, or mass effect model where like your choices, like they become your story, but like it all kind of converges back at the same place. They're like, and, like they're character beats rather than like more like, world consequences. Right. You're going through roughly the same story, just a few details change, versus like the interactive fiction model or like the Twine model where the game isn't your playthrough. The game is all the playthroughs, right? Like the entire work is the sum of all its contradictions and alternate paths and the different possibilities that were inherent in that game. I was like, what you're talking about with all the ways that Vampire can go different or go sideways and change relationships, like, yeah. what model are we following here more? Uh, and then uh, Car, like Car's response was, for her, it feels a little more, bit more on the uh, interactive fiction uh, side. Uh, but for uh, the other narrative designer who was there, uh, Nick, um, oh God, it's a, you wrote the first, the early Avalon. No, 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 oh wait, no. sorry. Someone earlier had mentioned that Chris Avalone also working on Blood, on Bloodlines 2. Yeah, sure, of course Also he working is. on Star Wars Fallen Order. Sure, of course he is. It's like Chris Avalone hour here. Also, correction from oh, the sorry, other day. Brian, Brian uh, myth, uh, reading his own yeah. writing. The other day I mentioned Fallout New Vegas and was talking about Avalone as a lead on that. Not true. Josh Sawyer is a lead on uh, New Vegas. Yeah. Uh, Avalon did a bunch of DLC for it. Yeah. So anyway. But yeah, so like it's that that is sort of apparently an ongoing debate within uh, the Bloodlines camp is like, do we, is that, should we be thinking more of this as like an IF type narrative where actually the, 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 the real game is like all the different ways it could have gone, right? And what that reveals mm-hmm. about characters and motivations in the world versus like, no, you have your playthrough, and that's your story. Right. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, the one last thing I'll say about Dying Light is uh, one of the things that's fascinating about Dying Light is that it's been a long time between Dying Light and Dying Light 2. Like, so far between yeah, what a traditional... So. Yeah, it's been like six years or something like that uh, by the time this probably ships, which is just an extraordinary amount of time for like a, a sequel to, to uh, finally arrive. Yeah. And part of that is because they have continued to provide like substantial, like world-changing free add-ons to Dying Light um, for years. And he pointed out, he's like, yeah, yeah, we still have a team that's making cool content for Dying He's like, actually, he's like, because of like getting geared up for like the, the, the release date of Dying Light 2, we realized, yeah, we actually need to spin up another team to keep making stuff for Dying Light 1. And so I, I said, uh, you know, that wasn't probably clear when you shipped that game. Mm-hmm. And... Like, how did that influence the, de- the decision to win and to greenlight Dying Light 2, a game that was inevitable, but, like, when do you fit that into your production process when you're still supporting the first one? And he said, well, first of all, uh, it was extremely weird because when we shipped Dying Light, we did not think... We <laughs> weren't was, sure yeah. if we made a good game. Yeah. Like, he said, we were extremely shaky on it. 
is that we published it. The reviews, also extremely shaky. Um, and then uh, he said, then it got out to players and over time, like it sort of started, like they started reading comments and it achieved like a really, not just, it went from cult sort of thing to just like a huge ass game. Like um, that was extremely popular. It took like a very weird arc. Um, and he said, one of the things that was interesting was that then as they had, they would have be in brainstorming meetings for Dying Light 2, which they kept pushing back. You know, they'd have a team working on it, but it wasn't in full production for a long time. And they would, someone would be like, I want to try this in Dying Light 2. And so they would put like a version of it into Dying Light DLC, um, knowing based on the response, they could figure out what they're going to do uh, in the sequel. Um, and I thought it was just like a really fascinating way to make a game. Oh, and your character's infected. And okay. uh, has now like, now you actually have to really limit your utilization of nighttime hours. Uh, because like okay. part of the progression of the disease, it sounds like, is tied to like night. Uh, so like they put they've sort of. It sounds like in one in one way they've amped up the risk reward of like operating at night. You still have the thing where like the best loot is out there, the most experience yeah, is out yeah, there. Yeah. But also sounds like maybe they figured out that night was really tough and punishing in that first yes. game, and maybe like you don't want to force people to spend half the game playing it on like ass kicking mode. Totally. Uh, was there still like a light horror element at all? Because last year when we saw it, there were moments of like walking into a room and seeing thirty like sleeping zombies. Yeah, there was like they didn't show the night mode. I think that's like one of the final big reveals for the game and how like that works because they keep saying they've like fundamentally restructured how that fits into to the game. But there was a moment where uh, a character fell through like a series of. Uh, floors and it ends up in like a hive like you and I saw in yeah, which you, yeah. you get down there and there, you just look around and there's like a hundred of these fucking things and they just immediately start coming after you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it looked good. I like was not big on Dying Light. I bounced off it, but so many people that I respect loved the shit out of that game that eventually I was like, well, I'll just keep waiting for Dying Light 2. <laughs> it's just like taken forever for us to get there. Yeah. But I came out of that demo like okay. stoked to play cool. more of that. Awesome. Next year. Yeah, spring right? 2020. Spring. Okay, cool. Do you have anything else, Rob? Is your plate empty? You've eaten all the shacks off of it, all the Shaquilles? All the Shaquilles, yeah. The Shaquille Kies. Shaquille Shaquilles. Well, Rob, I guess you did it. It's 801. Awesome. I'll be back. You fucking nailed it. Uh, yeah, I'll be back later. No, um, you won't. No, You're you gonna, won't. No, you won't. We're going to be done. I believe in you guys. We don't have that much more. Well, we could do a lot, but with you here, we could do a lot. Yeah. But, but you're going. I got to go. All right. Hazard, do you want to switch seats? Do you want to take a yeah. break? Let's take, let's take, let's a, take a five, five minute, minute break, break. And we'll come back and we'll talk Final Fantasy VII. We'll talk, we'll talk Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds, Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, which both Kato and I got to play. Yeah. Uh, that game's good. They fucked up. It has bonfires. It has bonfires. It has Estus flasks. God. Damn. It has a map that tells you that if you go back to different planets, you will be able to open new doors because you have new abilities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that map is projected diegetically by your droid that sits on your shoulder, and it's a cool 3D map. My beautiful it's little puppy good. droid. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about that shit. Stick around. Yeah. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Hard Times promo was like a classic. Ric Flair? Not Ric Flair. No. Oh. No, Ric Flair was... was uh, the target of the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, it was... Uh, why am I blanking? It's because I'm pouring a beer and trying to think at the same time. Uh, Dusty Rhodes. Oh, who, okay. Big dude, kind of like an average like average Joe, appealing to... Like a middle class sort of character. Working class. Working like class character. working class. And also someone, like a big white dude, but also very much using black slang. In a way that may be appropriative, but also felt genuine in a way that like... If you spoke to him off mic, it felt like he would be that person. Uh, and he cut a promo called the Hard Times promo that is... Uh, Hard times, daddy. Like, the nature boy Ric Flair was this, like, oh, yeah, I remember. character yeah, yeah. At the era, in that era. And, and Dusty was, like, someone who was, like, you get fired from the fucking factory. That's hard times. So, it was good. Shout outs to, to, to the Rhodes family. <laughs> they just had a great day. We can't do this. We cannot do no, this. stop. AEW seems like it's going to be a pretty good thing. Anyway, 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 wrestling. I mean, E3. 2019. Well, well, there's it's it's a show. It's a presentation. Uh, yeah. uh, sometimes you're disappointed, <laughs> and yet you tune in every year, just like <laughs> WrestleMania. Um, we, we should just pick up where we left off. Which was which is fucking Star Wars. Star Wars. So Star Jedi Wars. Fallen Order. I was sitting next to uh, Brad Shoemaker. <laughs> speaking of, of giant, yeah, mom. speaking of giant mom, we happen to be in the same Final Fantasy uh, Seven. Uh, presentation and um, while we were waiting for the power went out at in the, that was one amazing of, yeah. one of the halls while we were waiting to to actually play the game and to when you play I promise this will all make sense uh, when you when you before you go play FF seven the theater they have set up is you sit down there's a bunch of like Shinra advertising propaganda on the walls. And there's a Shinra commercial that plays. Um, it's like we're like you know powering the city and like it's it's good. <laughs> like good. it's it's it's. I hope they ha- if they have a lot of shit like that in the game, like that would be nice and additive. But it's like then it gets hacked by Avalanche to explain to you the controls of Final Fantasy, and it keeps like the lighting is going in and out in the room. But then all of a sudden, like all the lighting went out, Ooh. and you heard kind of like a doom, and it's like that doesn't sound right. And then you heard just like a lot of confused faces outside and. All the power had gone out at E3 for we, about 30 seconds. We were waiting for our Star Wars demo at that moment, and then, like, everything shuttered, and all the computers turned off, and, like, <laughs> I'm... We were not yet on our demo station, yeah. but I bet someone on that demo station was disappointed that they had to go... I mean, not disappointed, because the game was good, so... Yeah. Uh, but so as yeah. I turned to Brad, and I said, well, what have you played? And he's like, so I just played Star Wars. And, like, and I said, well, I heard that they should have showed what they're yeah. letting people play... Because apparently it's cool as shit. And he was right. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you remember we saw that initial demo on Saturday, that footage. Yep. The stuff that we saw today, Kato, Natalie, and I went and saw it um, and played it, uh, was the same basic chunk of gameplay, but it's amazing how much is done with just a little bit different pacing. They start about 10 minutes before that. Actually, you know what? Let me not start there because I think it's important that we start with where they started, which was I sat down with a one of the narrative designers on that game, um, and she handed me a controller and put us in a gray box room. Gray box is like a as a as a term used in game dev. That's kind of just like a, a I mean literally a gray box of just like it has no, no textures, art, no right? Art. It's like to, often to fuck this around with mechanics. Right. And, this wasn't quite a gray box. It was right. it was a gray box with like a floor and the sky. But it's not meant to look. No, it's not like a level. It's not an yeah. arena. You can imagine one day it becomes a combat arena that has like high high quality Bunch textures, of white and like, walls, and right, totally. In this case, though, it was kind of like polygons, and then like it was a, a room that was like wall, wall, you know, wall, wall, wall behind me, and then open air in the front, and it was a wave based like combat tutorial where you work work through like twenty one different waves, starting at like a stormtrooper with a gun where you just hit the button and you like counter him to like an ATST chicken walker walking around and you need to deal with that. And so it was so important that they start me there because it meant they were like, here, feel this game. Pick up the controller, feel how good it feels to play this game. And so I think, you know, if I hadn't played Sekiro this year, I would be even more astonished. Um, but in within the first five minutes of messing around in that gauntlet, um, I was like, okay, this is actually, there's something here. The basic breakdown on this game is that you have uh, a basic attack on, on X. We played with an Xbox mm-hmm. One controller. On X, a like force, like a swing, a focused attack on, on Y. Like the, an overhead? It's a, like an overhead, or you can mix it up into your combat strings. Okay. Um, a dodge on B, a jump on A. So oh, wow, that set, sounds familiar. It's, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. A heel on up on the D-pad, okay. which consumes one of your healing charges. Your little droid BD like shoots a little healing uh, uh, thing of of bacta juice or whatever bacta fluid, and you heal with it really quick. Um, and then you have force abilities on your the, the your uh, triggers. Uh, I guess LB is a parry or a defense. You hold it down and you're in defense mode, just like Sekiro. You time it and you. In do this a case, parry. So is the is the lightsaber like kind of bouncing around yes. to track you're kind it, of like, as opposed you're kind to of like just spinning like it. Sekiro is like you're ching, holding it. Ching, yeah, ching. yeah, you you kind of hold it and do the right block attacks as they come in. You know what I mean? If you're holding it down, okay. Um, or if someone's shooting at you, you're kind of doing a, a twirl and right. catching the blasts as they come in. It looks really cool. Um, Kata, remind uh, me if I'm right. Unlike Sekiro, however, if you try to spam it, you will the, not paro- the parry time is not... Yeah, there's there, a big cooldown in between each button press. Yes, you cannot just like parry, parry, parry. The window is still pretty wide. Like you, It is not but, punishing... <laughs> It was. It's punishing if you tap it a lot and are expecting yeah. it to work like Sekiro. Which it does uh, not. How does it communicate the parry and the animation? It's just the animation. Like it is. Oh, just- so like it's, it's like for for clarity, if you haven't played Sekiro, like when there is a kind of a distinct like as you play the game, it becomes very clear in the animation when you should be like, ching. Yeah, well, I think the animations are pretty clear. It's okay, like, it's during the wind up. Okay, there again, there is a. It is a wide window. I never, I never really missed a parry that I felt like I was ready for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I missed parries when I was like, ah, oh, I'm getting overwhelmed. But most of the time I hit them parries. Uh, left trigger, uh, you know, right trigger is push. It was force push. Right 
bumper was was that Forest Pool or was that or was that Stasis Kato? Kato's talking to someone off mic. Right bumper was right bumper and left trigger were either Force Pool and Force like slow or the other way around. Are those on cooldowns? They so they all pull from a force meter that you have, a little okay. blue bar that you build back up by doing basic attacks. Enemies have a stamina bar, which you might also call a posture bar. Interesting. Uh, basic yeah. enemies, you hit them twice with your lightsaber. They block them. They block those attacks. Um, and then their posture bar is broken. Uh, sorry, their stamina bar is empty. And then you attack one more time and you get a death blow. You kill them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get a death blow. Uh, so is, most basic enemies are, once you've gotten that meter away, it's just one, one they, hit. They have health bars, but that basic hit will kill most okay. enemies. Um, you can also just overwhelm them without doing a parry. You can like hit, hit, hit. Right. Their posture is broken. You get the, the real damage in and you get kind of one of the canned animations that you get the kill with. Though sometimes also you're like hitting enough people at a wide enough thing. You don't get the animation. You get just like. They just roll over. Like, ah! Yeah. Yeah. Cool lightsaber scar yeah. appears. Um, harder enemies, you have to break their posture a few times. Well, see, like that um, in, in the demo. Yes. The, like it seems like those types of like not. They almost functioned uh, like as sort of mid-boss enemies yes. in Sekiro, where it's like, hey, this is going to be that kind of one v one or one v one with like right. a couple of well, other enemies, right? So that's <laughs> what we that gauntlet ended up being. You know, it starts with like, here's a stormtrooper by like wave eight or nine. It's like, all right, there's a stormtrooper up here with a rifle, another one up here with a rifle, two of them with stun batons on the ground, one with a flamethrower, and you cannot like reflect the flamethrower back, and then one with like an extra long stun baton or something like that. How do you parry the 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 uh, the lasers? Is that just... It's just a timing. It's... it's okay. If you so, hold it down, you'll block them away, and if you time it like a parry... Then it goes ding, ding, goes back, knocks them out. Shit, none feels, of that stuff was communicated at and it feels all in that so demo. so good. It's so great. Um, there's a point where you're fighting like an imperial floater droid, the imperial scout droid, the, the one little from, black, the like uh, ram, 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 yeah, yeah, the yeah. ones that do that sound yeah. uh, from from Empire Strikes <laughs> the, Back, the classic. I didn't know I had that in my back pocket, but I did. Um, the the ones from Empire Strikes Back, right. and they will shoot at you like twice, uh, or they'll shoot at you a bunch, but you block them back twice. It falls to the ground and gets like electrically charged, and then you can force push that, and it blows up. Oh, or, that's good. I mean, it's kind of it basically tries to charge you and self destruct. Right, but you can force push it away. Get out of here. There's a lot of good interaction in that way of like, okay, if I can push one of the flamethrower units up against the wall, the pack on its back filled with fuel explodes. If I can pull someone in front of me, they can take shots from an incoming from Oh, incoming right. Fire. Sure. Uh, or the one that neither of us pulled off, yeah. but, but the, the demo we did later is the classic like pull forward a person to just freeze a blaster bolt, pull some in front of the blaster bolt, and then let the blaster bolt unfreeze and it okay. hits them, right? <laughs> so, um, so it just, this, all of this stuff just felt good already. And I was like, okay, the combat model's, model's really good. Yeah. Kato, you also played through the gauntlet stuff. Am I missing anything on this side? Not I can think of. I mean, did you mention there? there's also degrees on the push and pull, which is nice? Right. Because you can kind of chain a very light tap of... Uh, a force pull or push that will stagger enemies for a second, and that means they're not attacking. You can stagger them out of an animation, basically. So it's not like a, it's not like a full push. You're just sort of like, but hey, it's chill. Like, yeah. But if you hold the button down, then you it's can, like boom, boom. But it uses more of your. Oh, so if and you got like three enemies charging, you're just like, okay, hold on, like boop, 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 boop and then take yeah. out the one. Yeah. And that like high, the higher level stuff. I think I got to number wave 17 you got to wave 18 yeah something like that uh and in those waves those later waves you start thinking very creatively like all right 
How much force juice do I have? How do I make this force juice go a long way? How do I make sure that I'm actually able to like, okay, the, the hardest one for me was the one where it was, um, we didn't talk about this. There's the KX droids, the like K9 oh from, or God. whatever, KSO or whatever from. The oh, there's the Rogue One Rogue One. Rogue one. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one does not get staggered. It does not even have a... I don't think it even has a posture meter. It just has a ton of fucking health. Yeah. And it's it like has, when you see a big dude in Dark Souls with a hammer. Right. It's like, you, it, okay, good luck. And it had... They it's, had a, it's like the ogre in... Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. Because that. it even did a big grab move that kept fucking moves, us up. a bunch of grab moves, choke slams. Um, <laughs> and it has like super armor, to use the fighting game term, which is okay. saying it's hard to stagger it. Sure. Right? Even when you parry it, there was definitely moments where Natalie and I were like going into coach mode where we're like, yeah. all right, Kyle, you get one hit in and back out. You know, you can't get that... Don't get greedy. <laughs> don't get that second hit in. Um, and... That motherfucker chases you around like it's Tyrant or like, uh, what's the Mr. X, Mr. X in, in Resident Evil 2 yeah. remake where like it's just charging at you. It's just res- just like resilient of anything you throw at it. You can try to do the push like nah, Nothing. not working. <laughs> so that plus three or four stormtroopers plus an Imperial probe droid. And you're like, all right, how do I solve this puzzle, this like combat puzzle in a way that felt sort of similar to Sekiro minus the stealth element. And instead of the stealth or the, even the tools, you're thinking about force powers and you're thinking about, okay, I can try to quickly reflect back two shots to the probe droid. Then I can push it into two of the stormtroopers. Then I can like back out a little bit, try to get some distance recover some health because I got hit. Then I'll use the force pool to pull someone in front of me and between the big droid and me so I can deal with them first and then I can just kite this droid. But the droid is like, like four-stepping, like, do, 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 like the Terminator. So at that point alone, I was like, this is a cool demo. Right. Like, wow, cool, like, wow, cool demo. Classic game crit. Classic game crit. Austin Walker right here, award-winning critic. Wow, cool demo. Uh, and then she took us through the beginning of the story sequence, but gave us structure and showed us something there was something different about the pacing and the way she did it that made what was a very rushed and inconsequential feeling demo from the other day suddenly take on a little bit more grandeur in a weird way. So it's the shot that you see in whatever that follow-up footage came out, mm-hmm. the trailer, Microsoft, where it starts with like this wide shot of the swamp, and you kind of pan and you see the the at at walkers. I still want to say ATAT. I, I know. Some I, I feel like I know the Wait, one. It's I've always said ATAT. So that, have in I. this game, they say at at. Wow. He specifically. That is how it's supposed to be said. But huh. like, as a yeah. kid, I always said ATAT. But like, yeah. I'm not going to say atsta for ATST. It's the same way in the Final Fantasy VII. I heard Barrett say. Mako, and I was like, "Excuse me, it's Mako. Wait, it's Mako. It's Mako it's a- reactor. Maybe I'm confusing. I remember. I'm, I'm with you. It's Mako. It's Mako. It's Mako. It's Mako. I want to say. I want to say. That's a shark. Mako. It's a Mako shark. It is a Mako not a Mako, Mako shark. shark. Mako. Ma. Well, the character Ma- in Pacific Rim is Mako, though. Right. Right, but that's a different name. It is a different name, but it's spelled the same way because of Hiragana. Right. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> uh. So you, you see the, the ATAT and you go you swim over to it and uh, you see that it has like moss and stuff on mm-hmm. it. Begin to, begin to climb and it's pouring rain. You're in this like gross swamp. Or you're kind of in like a low lake that's becoming a swamp as the, the ATAT is walking towards the kind of like denser jungle. Right. Um, and you climb into it and it's already like there the degree of if you are a Star Wars nerd or if you have a fondness for Star Wars like like I do 
like seeing inside of it, seeing like there's a speeder bike attached to one area in the back. It's like a little compartment for like an ejection with a speeder bike. You go through, it's all cool. You go in, you take out some guards, you take over the 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 ATAT, and you like pilot it from the inside in a in a from a perspective where you're like kind of like behind the character. You don't just like it doesn't just do first person. At first, I didn't even realize that this was gameplay. I thought it was like a cutscene. Right. No. And then it's like, oh no, yeah, you're like marching this fucking thing through uh-huh. and shooting people. And it's it was cool to see a scripted sequence like that. And it set the stage pretty well. Saw Guerrera, the Forrest Whitaker character, sees you at one point, and you see him like grapple hook away from the perspective and then land on yeah. the ATAT. He's like, Who are you? <laughs> Who's it? Who, what the fuck? What are you doing? And he, you're like, Oh, I'll, I'll hop out and we can talk. And then we kind of come in at that point on the mission um, as it was shown before, except instead of immediately going to running and fighting the stormtroopers and to the, the right, fire beetles, right? Like yeah. there's, yeah. You pause, and and she walks us through the kind of hub uh, for this level, which is like a bunch of people looking at maps, a bunch of this kind of like rebel group, like just like having conversations that you can overhear. You, There's like a little like hub area, right, literally, where literally, like you just, where your ship lands because you've cleared out the landing zone, and your ship, the Mantis or the something Mantis, lands. And she takes us on board the ship and shows us that, like, there's a map that can take you to other worlds because you can backtrack in this game and go back to previous worlds to do side activities or side quests or to go back and open doors because the main the main quest will take you back to planets you've already been to. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, she showed us a bunch of maps where it was like, okay, here you can see that this there's a door here that's marked it red because you don't have the ability yet to go through that door. That's obviously cool. That's placeholder stuff because eventually that'll be like, oh, you need to force double jump or whatever to get through here. But it'll, it'll have an icon, presumably. But well, like, hey, that's what RE2 did. Like part of right, uh, Resident right. Evil 2's like brilliant map was to, as soon as you hit a door that you couldn't lock, it was like if you needed the, the spade key, it's right. like yo spade so it's like key. That. It's like that's great. I don't have to. I shouldn't have to write that down. Totally. Yeah. You can go over. You can talk to your. You know, you, this demo introduced us to uh, Cal's mentor, who is a cool woman named Sarah. Sarah Ceres. Saris, 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 yeah, S E R E S, pronounced. Who's also Ceres. who's an ex Jedi Knight? Well, they're all in hiding at this point. Yeah, this right. Story, but yeah, um, uh, who's like a cool black lady? Like there was a moment where it was like she was talking to Saw Gerrera, who's Forrest Whitaker, and like you know, representation, fictional representation is not the be all end all. Like I absolutely want the sort of like representation behind the camera, so to speak, the, in development. But it was cool as shit for me as someone who was growing up who loved Star Wars and Lando was it to suddenly have like a cool Jedi Knight talking to a cool resistance fighter about the situation and just like and both of them were black people that was cool as shit for me um, and also Saul's armor is just the sickest shit hell yeah uh, and there's also the pilot for your ship who was there who's a new alien species who has okay. like four arms and a very goofy like jacket with like it's like a silver windbreaker <laughs> it looks like a he looks like a Guardians of the, Gar- of the Galaxy character yeah. in a sense and you know it feels what I mean? like it feels like a like a character Billy Crystal would have voiced a few years ago, you know, like very Mike yes. Wazowski. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> what if what if Mike from Monsters Inc. was, <laughs> was your spaceship pilot? Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, you go. You can talk to them, and they'll give you some more detail about the planet and what your what the stakes are and like what you're off to do. And then you go and do it. And with the added, and at that point, she handed the control over to Kato. And I'll note. <laughs> In the meanest way anyone could ever do it. She was very nice, and it wasn't her fault, but I had noticed and tried not to complain that when I was playing through the gauntlet to learn how to play, 
uh, someone had set inverted controls. Oh my god! And it was not a thing in the options because yeah. this is an early, super early pre-alpha build or whatever. Sure, just go in and change it. There was like a secret code right. button thing to do that. And so we couldn't figure out how to do that. The person who knew it was off in another demo. And so when she handed the controls over to Kato, it was with an inverted camera before platforming section. <laughs> um, and then I, Kato took over to play the demo that they showed yeah, before. Yeah, I had trouble. I also, uh, well, she mentioned that in these levels that they're fairly open and there's actually multiple paths through uh, that maybe lead you all to the same area, but might give you, for example, you might come up behind enemies in combat if you find out a side path or whatever. Sure. So I see like a platform and I'm like, okay, I'll go this way. And then there's this, <laughs> there's this spinning uh, platform that you're supposed to like force stop. And First, I didn't get it. I was like, I'll just time my jump right and fail that a couple times. Doesn't fucking work. I was like, oh, right. I have that power. I stop it, get onto the thing, and then miss the jump on the other end. Mm -hmm. And then after like trying four times, because I'm bad at jumping apparently, I finally get there. And then she's like, okay, now we have to go back the other way because there's nothing here. I know. And then Kato like, throws the controller across the room. It was very funny. Invert this. Yeah. But it was one of those moments where you start saying like, okay, in the demo that we saw, everything seems super linear. Here you can see where there are side branches yeah. where you're going to go find additional lore. And it was like, I, I could upgrades. see where you come. Like this is, it was not that this was a dead end. It was as this was a return path for later or something. Right. right. Where I couldn't get up that way, but I could, will eventually go down that way or yeah, something. Totally, yeah. totally. I, from watching you play, it seemed like there was a good mix of challenge, but also it's not as precise as like a FromSoft game or, did, or it maybe, maybe demand it's demanding, I think is the, yeah, 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 the, yeah, the more totally. accurate It word. actually seemed very precise, but. Yeah. The um, window is just wider yeah. and more forgiving. Yeah, and um I I feel like the camera let go a little too easily when I was locked on. Yeah. And which was a problem Ooh. because we had it in inverted. Inverted. And I would keep like accidentally looking straight up or straight down. Right. Sometimes when I was panicking, I was also like I don't play with Xbox controllers ever. Like right. I use a PS4 controller on my PC uh, and there would be like prompts and I'd be like, write that one. Oh fuck, wait, no, button, trigger, which one's that? And I kept uh, fucking up jumps, uh, one grab that way in particular until someone was like, no, that one. That button. <laughs> that this button. is the button. <laughs> but I think barring that stuff. Right, no. As like someone who uses a lot of Xbox controllers, it, that stuff felt pretty natural. Right. Yeah, um, like it was all on me. It was just a very funny moment. It was in very that funny. Thing. It was very much like a, a bad demo situation. <laughs> yeah. um, and bonfires. And bonfires. Right. Halfway that through. actually respawn enemies and, into the world. Yes. And like and, skill trees. Right, also we, skill trees. So you get to the bonfire, which is like a meditation point, sure. basically. And you sit Great. down and, and you know, it brings you to a kind of like all, a world of all like white and fog. And then you kind of see a weird Jedi skill tree appear that's like all curves and arcs and stuff. And it was very filled out. And she yeah. was like, you're way more powerful than you would normally be at this point in the game. Right. Um, in fact, one of the questions I asked her was like, hey is this going to be a game where you get through to the very end and you kind of have all this stuff? And she was like, well, 
You have a lot of it, but not exactly. There will be room to specialize. Maybe you want to do more lightsaber. The, the third kind of three branches, lightsaber combat, force combat, or force abilities, and survival. Um, yeah. So that's probably like additional health, health, additional whatever, yeah. Jumping differently, dodges, you know, cherry sure. stuff, who knows. Um, and the idea that like, okay, yeah, I'm going to just max out saber. You're going to max out survival. Is, is like, you're not going to have Dark Souls builds in no. this game. I don't think there's loot. I didn't see anything even close no. to that. You know what yeah. I mean? But I'm think I'm starting to think about this game in the realm of something like um, Arkham Knight, or not Arkham Knight, Arkham Arkham Asylum, or, or actually Arkham. What was the first really big one? Arkham City. Arkham City. Arkham City yeah. In yeah. terms of like, okay, this is this is a licensed game that is trying to do a very particular like style of combat that uh, is maybe not completely innovative but is nailing it and is kind of presenting a you know the people who first fell in love with arkham with arkham asylum maybe weren't deep metroid prime fans for but that was a game that learned a lot from the metroid series and brought that in and or then, you don't think you it. are right that's and then you and then you say oh would you play a metro game like eh. but then you play batman as a metro game and you're right. like Oh, okay. I like all and this And it, like, stuff. opens a door totally. to a different type of game. And, like, I've been ex- I've been waiting for... I've been frustrated by the the response to Dark Souls was largely just literally copy it, put it in a different setting. Right. Games like The Surge. Right. I don't think are bad games, but um, I've been waiting for more games to pluck yes. into the mainstream. And, like, okay, what do you do with certain elements of this? And then how do you adapt it in a way that doesn't lose, like, a certain essence? But, like does often what we wish from software would do more of is like um, building in a broader window in which you're still learning the core, like the core skills, the core DNA. It's just more demanding when it's in, it's like, I don't know, pure form or like more original form. It's it's that earlier form, right? The, the thing there too, that I think is cool is just like the stuff that they're bringing over. Isn't this game is ridiculously hard. It's like, Enemies respond when you when you go to a checkpoint, and that's like a cool way of of the thing I like most about Dark Souls. One of the things I like most about Dark Souls is this idea of running, figuring out your route through a place, learning the environment, learning your best like your best strategies against a set of enemies or an arena or a, trying to cross this fucking bridge or whatever it is. And on top of that, having limited but um, uh, but not consumable consumables right estes flasks where you heal yourself and anytime you go to a meditation spot or a bonfire you get them back and so it's like okay i have i have i have these resources for this run i don't have global resources that i'm afraid of i don't only have global resources i have i'm going on a run i have three heals how do i get through this with just three heals and here's my guess is that for you me kato we probably won't run up against the sure. limit in the way that we do sometimes in the Souls games. But again, the fact that it will be novel, it mm-hmm. will be new for a lot of people to even think about right. that, to totally. worry about that. That's right. And so the idea of like introduce like seeding that to like a larger group of players, a reframing of like what it's like to play an action game, to have slightly some walls around like what you are, how you have to approach a situation right. is, is cool as hell. And like, that's the exciting, that's always like when these games are wrote as shit, like what's mm-hmm. exciting about using a big property is like, use the big property to surprise people in a different way. And that's what I'm encouraged by, by yeah. how people have been talking about. This. I also feel like there is something here with regards to 
making a Star Wars game that understands that lightsaber combat is not flailing isn't you can tell you can that was Jedi Knight right like even Jedi Knight which I like a lot was still yeah I mean it was flailing to some extent but it it also tried to it embodied one aspect of 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 fighting with the lightsaber which is more the acrobatic element which was the agility element it wasn't so much about um, combos combos or like feeling like uh, very powerful whereas like this is like Seems like it's playing down the athletic part and playing right. up the more like this is an, an ex- this is a powerful object yeah. that should be treated with a measure of respect right. and is able to fucking dole out some shit if you use it correctly. Cal Kestis kills some motherfuckers. Yeah. Let me tell you, people are scared of that dude. He has a lightsaber. Um, it also seemed less annoying here. We had a, yeah. l- a little bit more dialogue. It helps that I've started to think about him as Archie. <laughs> Riverdale Archie mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's not him. No. Different but actor. Now that I've I've committed to that read, it helps. Is there uh, a little more I feel like uh what we've seen of the game so far um shows so little of his character that he can come a- potentially come across is more annoying because you don't have like context to set up who he is. Yeah. And like in a game that like gave you an hour of like, all right, like he's a naive little shithead. Yeah. And yeah. that becomes earnest as opposed to like seeing him because when you're when you watch the voice like look at this fucking badass yeah, and yeah. then in this cutscene it's like nah, 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 nah. no he's like surrounded by people who know the world more than him he's yeah. surrounded by Saul Guerrero, by Saris his mentor by whatever the name of the um the pilot is and all of them have almost a world weary quality yeah you know what I mean seen, we've been doing this seen, a while yeah exactly they've seen some shit they're yeah. all too old for this shit absolutely which is why they're sending him the young buck to go do things actually totally <laughs> totally um, the other small thing about it that I really liked, and this was in the demo from Saturday, but I just noticed it this time, is there's, there's a moment when um, BD, the robot, the little droid you have, uh, goes... So BD will be on your shoulder, perched on your shoulder most of the time, except for when... Uh, it notices something to scan, in which case it'll like hop off your shoulder and go over to scan something, which gives you some like lore about a species or a type of you know enemy or a plant or whatever. Or if there's something to interact with in the environment, BD is uh, able to to slice, which is the Star Wars term for hack, into different things, um, and uh, eventually gets this ability to overcharge stuff and kind of make machinery like get really powerful. Which could do the one thing that happens in the game or in the demo is like turns on this like giant machine saw to saw a pathway forward for you, basically. Um, and it's a tiny little touch of characterization, but I think it's so good is. Uh, BD jumps off your shoulder and like goes to plug into this thing and Cal's response is like, are you sure you want to do that, BD? It's not, go hack that thing for me. Yeah. It's not like, all right, I think if you can hack this, we can move on. It's you, BD, you've decided to do this. Are it's you a sure relationship. about that? It's a relationship. And it's also, uh, and like, that, it plays, by, oh, go ahead. Sorry, and that's like also in the, like when uh, BD goes on his own to go to these points and doesn't do anything until you like respond basically, but it's like, you have to actually hit the button after the fact to to interact, so you're not accidentally yeah. opening doors or whatever. But it's still very much like BD's making the choice, right? Initially, and it's yeah. in, and that seems in line with you know the Star Wars uh, universe has the the cinematic part of the Star Wars universe like is doesn't clearly answer like what how what are robots? Do they have sentience? Why you know are they all just like weird slaves right. that we all just laugh at? Uh huh. Um, Rogue One like. <laughs> Or not Rogue One. Or uh, Solo. Solo had like a really, you know, 
interesting arc where they tried to like they tried to do something. Yes, there. they yes. but but yeah, it was yeah, an yeah. acknowledgement of like that there is there are more to um whatever what these been, are people what have been very treated, clearly have been people. treated as yeah. yeah there's a whole rebellion you know yes. uh, uh and so that's messy in the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. but I do prefer like I like it when one of the fictions acknowledges that like that contradiction or at least maybe ignores the, the shittier parts of it and says like yeah look he's a character he yeah. has yeah. some measure of person this is a partnership the, yes. the two of them it's, it's a collaboration totally also there's like really good animations for BD yeah. constantly so cute very cute lots of little like puppy dog waggles and like gets excited about stuff gets excited about upgrades and stuff like that so I had a great time with it it is like becoming the game I'm most excited about out of E3 because not because it's ambitious but because it knows what it wants to do and seems to be executing on it. Right. And frankly, because like to some degree, as much as I'm like curious about how Watch Dogs hits that stuff, I am trepidatious about the way it will handle Brexit and deportation. Whereas here, I'm pretty sure they're going to handle the Star Wars stuff pretty well. And I, the thing that's difficult is like, I want to, I do want to encourage big developers to innate big studios and big publishers to enable uh, developers to take big swings. But I have to, in a week where like the cyberpunk team has fucked up on this, on like the, the question of like the inclusion of trans bodies in that game and the exploitation and exoticization of them and the, the fetishization of them. It's like, all right, I really got to trust you before you take that swing. Right. And so there's a part of me that's just like, yeah, the star Wars game, I know what it is. I think they're going to be able to deliver on that. You thing. know, that studio knows what box they are in and they're yes. like, got it. Yes. Yes. And that is like, it's the easiest game for me to right now be excited about. And also I just want to play it. Like six weeks ago, we were like, what if they made a fucking lightsaber? Like Sekiro. Sekiro. And then they did. And they're doing it. They're <laughs> doing there. it. Yeah. So that's I'm excited good. for that. That'll be, that's next year, right? That's 2020. No. Is that no. this year? Yeah. That's November. Yes. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. That's cool. So 2020 uh, different games, different games. I saw a uh, a licensed game today that I thought was really cool, Star Wars. You also saw a game that was a licensed property. Big yes. fan, people love, and I I love you love you love Avengers love, the way I love Star Wars. Yes, I, I've described my love of the MCU as like my like my with the way the reverence people talk, the way they react uh-huh. to like. The, the only piece of swag I'm going to keep from this E3 is like this little Avengers thing that like came with my meeting to Aww. seeing the game because I was like, that's cool. Like that world means something to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so I had a chance to go not play, but to see um, an extended gameplay demonstration for, uh, I guess it's not the Avengers, I guess it's Marvel's, Marvel's Avengers. Avengers. Right. Um, the Avengers is, is the, 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 Mar- the MCU branding, I guess. Oh, is that? I don't really know. The if, I don't, I don't. I was going to say the Avengers is that spy show from Britain from the 1960s. Also true. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, so the setup for this is you, you went into a room and, uh, there's a presentation in which they, uh, they showed us the trailer from the Square Enix press conference. And then basically there were hints in that trailer that like, oh, this, you, there were some like real time sequences. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't clear like what that meant. And so what that meant was like, actually there is a playable sort of prologue to like set up the, the a day um mishap that were like this you know a lot of san francisco is like destroyed right. as a result of this like mysterious energy sources used being, being used to power the helicarrier mm-hmm. um and so what that means uh, practically in terms of what i saw is like 
you know, Thor and Iron Man like go off to investigate this explosion that's happening over on the Golden Gate Bridge, and Thor splits off to in response to a radio call from the police, and like you're playing as Thor, and he's doing Thor things. You know, he's throwing a hammer. There's right. a there, there's a move where he can toss the hammer and hold the guy up against like the wall while he uses Punch his fists and yeah. takes care of that. Um, it's going so fast. They weren't, you know, you could see some UI, like there was some powers in the corner, but it wasn't clear uh, what exactly that meant. Um, and then it starts cycling through the different characters. The Hulk comes over, Black Widow comes over. Black Widow just pulls, just fucking pulls out two guns. And just was like, okay. Shoots people to death. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. In this case, the Taskmaster. Okay. Um, he dies. He dies? Well. He shoot, shoots him. No, she, he she she used, he's got a shield and she's shooting the shield. Okay, and then he gets under some rubble and he's like, ah. Yeah. So I mean, he'll be lucky back. guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's more or less what they showed. And it's I, I it's I wait, not, wait, wait, wait. what do you mean? That's all they showed. That's all they showed. That's the you're describing the trailer we watched. Yes, yeah. but then what if that? But in real time, and you see the Hulk smash. Like, there's no sense okay. of the structure. There's no... It, like, literally ends with the same way the trailer ends, in which, like, oh, and then they went away, and then someone had to reunite them. So you see, wait, wait, like... Wait, so who's the someone? It's not revealed. The room... You know, the, the, the leak or rumor ahead of right. E3 was that it's Miss Marvel, a Pakistani mm-hmm. um, superhero that was is from, like, the last 10 years or so that is very popular amongst, mm-hmm. like, young comic readers. Um, and the idea is that she's the one that's supposed to, like reunite them that is not something that they got into okay. or explained but there is she's, a uh in the comics she's canonically like a fan of the avengers which in, in the context of that trailer right the, the the trailer opens with they say never meet your heroes right i did and it was everything i ever wanted so that's her then yeah that's right definitely so yeah her. like that yeah. that lines up with yeah. with yeah, that yeah, yeah. um and also is like she's most, like associated with like what like the West Coast Avengers or something like that. No, like she's in Jersey City. Oh, is she? Yeah, that's good. Shout out to Jersey City. I still live in Jersey City. Um, so yeah, so this gameplay bit like swaps between all those characters to give you like I guess some broad set, uh, broad understanding of the move set. But like I don't think that's the questions people had about this game. No, like the questions wanted... people had about this game was like, what do you do? What am I doing in hour twenty three? Right, right. And they they've talked in broad strokes of like, oh, like. We are going to have these big cinematic moments where you're playing as these characters, but also you're going to go online. You're going to play with your friends. You're going to, uh, yes? It, am I Iron Man? I don't know. Are you Iron Man? I don't know. Can we both be Iron Man? I don't know. Iron Man. Like I tried, yes? Are you like doing the story together? Or are you just kind of doing like events in an open world so that so i had a chance to talk to the studio head of crystal dynamics afterwards um in which they were uh very what the first question i asked or one of the first questions i asked was um it must be a challenge given that although there are all sorts of interpretations of these characters that especially given that endgame just happened a couple of months ago the culmination of 22 movies in which there is now a canonized, popularized interpretation of these characters by a very specific specific set of actors. And although it's part of the legacy of comics that like they're reinterpreted by all sorts of different mm-hmm. artists, like it is undeniable that when for the average person you think of Iron Man, you think of Robert Downey Jr. When you think of Captain America, you think of Chris Evans. And so it's like you're presenting the Avengers right after a movie about the Avengers. Um, there must be like not a surprise that some people were taken a little aback given that doesn't look like 
the actors, the characters they've come to know. Right. It doesn't sound like them. It doesn't look like them. And they're, to paraphrase, he was like, well, that's true. And it has been a challenge. <laughs> but we hope that when they spend more time with our characters, they'll grow to enjoy this version of them in the way they have come to enjoy the MCU version, which felt like a little bit of like an acknowledgement that some of like the memeing of this game has been uh, my favorite one was uh, someone posted a screen capture of Thor from um, the game and wrote like, Oh, I'm so happy with uh, the version of Thor I made from the soul caliber five character creator. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> that is both damning and also true for some of the response. But I mean, there, for me, there's an easy answer to this. Which is, you know, fans of, of the Marvel films had no problem both enjoying Tom Holland's performance as Spider-Man while also enjoying the many performances sure. of various Spider characters in Into the Spider-Verse or the one in the record-breaking sales uh, Marvel's Spider-Man on PlayStation 4 last year. Right. Like, there can be multiple Spider-Man. Yes. If, we, if we execute on it well, they'll like it. Right. But I think the truth is you watched that trailer the other and day. Did, and people didn't like the character they design. didn't like <laughs> it. Or, or the voice, or the acting, voice acting associated acting. with yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and so one of the most revealing... God, why isn't this an Into the Spider-Verse game? I know. Because oh it's, it's not. Because it's not. Because it's not. Put that in my brain. Well, they made an Into the Spider-Verse game. The reason no, Into the Spider-Verse it. exists is partially because of a video game. What? Yeah, but they didn't look like that. No, I know, but I'm, they did a multiverse. Yeah, yeah, there was yeah, a Spider-Verse yeah, yeah. video game. Yes. After the comic run? Yeah, well, I don't know if it was actually... What was it? Was it Web of Shadows was that one? What was the one that like, you yeah, played? Like, there is a noir Spider-Man you play as. There uh, is, like, there's, you play as Spider-Man 2099. You play as it's Spider-Man. A it's a good, it's a good it's game. It's like a decent... Yeah, oh, okay. like, as far as those go. But it's not the I'm one... I'm not saying it's like a... But, like, there is an actual... Shattered like, dimensions. Uh, there is a corporate lineage of, like, how stuff like that led yeah, to yeah. Into the Spider-Verse right, being right. greenlit at Sony. Yes. Um, That's interesting. You know, and anyway, I, I tried to add, like, I tried to ask, okay, can you give me a sense of... Right, okay, so you go... He's like, okay, so you finish this sort of, like, tutorial element, like, then you go to a hub. And I was like, okay, and, like, what do you do from there? It's like, it sounds like there are both stages in which you will play specific characters for specific reasons. So like there is a st there are areas where we are telling a story related to Ant Man. So you are going to play as um, Hank Pym. Hank Pym. Yeah. yeah. Um. This this is a he's not using these characters like yeah, they haven't announced yeah, these yeah. yet. But like there is a Spider Man section and like you are going to be Spider Man. But there are also sections in which it's one to four player co op. Anyone can join. You can swap between that. It's like okay. It's like but one of the things that people are trying to like what's confusing is like our what is the level of customization here? Like, are you playing the heroes you've designed? Are you playing, allowing people to be the hero they want to be? And he was like, well, we're going to have gear. And I was like, and I go, well, what? That's, that doesn't what? mean anything. That could mean 30 different things. So I said, um, Loot? you probably can't answer this because you were extremely vague right now, but gear can mean something very specific. Yeah. And do you mean that thing or do you mean right. do, something else? And for you, me, I mean, like, like my implication there was, because I'm doing this all around like a PR person. So I'm like trying to get some answer without like getting a PR person going like, we're not talking about that. Yeah. But for me, the implication there to, that I was trying to get at was like, is this, as some of the rumors were, like a destiny light in right. which like there was going to be a core focus on like customizing your character aesthetically and moveset and right. power set right. um, and... His the way he implied back was like, yes, like that this game is going to have like a heavy focus 
on uh, he did say that the aesthetic part is a huge thing, right? Like, and that's not a huge surprise that no. you'd be able to like um, do that part. The other part is that like there's an enormous skill tree in which like do you want to make your character long range or short range stuff like that? This but then makes the, some the gear sense. the gear part was he wouldn't get into, and my interpretation of the gear part he wouldn't get into leads me to believe that the rumors are true and that this will be a loot focused game, which would explain why you're playing one to four players and probably like rerunning certain things. Right, but that, even that doesn't answer the question for me because I think about something like the Marvel Heroes game, which is sort of like had been the inheritor of the Marvel Ultimate Alliance right. style of like action, Diablo style action RPG, but Marvel. Mash, 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 mash. Mashing buttons, you have special abilities. There's a billion characters. There are a billion characters. In in those games, I believe in Marvel Heroes, you had, you had gear, but it wasn't like it didn't appear on your body. Right. And also your attacks were basically your attacks. You could level them up, you could change, you give them special effects and stuff. But like Hulk smash, Hulk smash, right? In Destiny, guns shoot different. And that makes sense to me with certain characters like Black Widow right. or Iron Man. Like you can imagine like, oh, well, I'm equipping a, a, a kind of like permanent laser fire beam. Or like, okay, well, I'm going to equip the one that does like a big blast as an AOE. Well, I'm going to equip the one that does like a rapid fire machine gun effect or a shotgun effect. But like, I don't know what that is for the Hulk. <laughs> Right. I don't really <laughs> know what that is for Captain America. Get who, to, the Hulk gets different colored pants that give him different... Uh, but that's one slot, <laughs> right? Like, oh, That's all the Hulk needs. Just the one <laughs> slot. All right. Sure. <laughs> I also... So is the idea that you'll be playing as just those characters, like in Marvel Heroes, the online one, where it's like... There's a Spider Man. There's a Spider Man. There's a Hulk. It's unclear to me Hulk. if like you're or am I creating? A, is it like DC? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Where you make and your I think, own character? And I and I ha, I'm now getting the because that's what I want. The, the thing I want yes, is yes. Make the again DC Universe Online had plenty of issues, but I did love the idea of being like I'm going to take the Batman Gadgeteer power set, and I'm also going to take the Green Lantern visible light or like a hard light stuff and like make a character that uses the combination of which, those things. Which if they end up having you play it, I guess maybe they could mix and match if they're allowing you to play not Iron Man, but an Iron Man as opposed to like Tony, right. uh, Tony, Tony Stark, Stark specifically. Um, but that is unclear. Um, the actual, like if you look at the trailer they show and even the gameplay demonstration I saw, that just looks like a kind of like PS2 era like character brawler. Yeah, it sure fucking does. And not a particularly impressive one. Yeah. And if if part of the reason that is true is because actually the focus of the game is like all this customizability and and like a, a, a really deep sort of uh, loot and gear layer, um, why would you have the first showing of this game if you're not reading all of the coverage. Right. If you are not like trying to read between the lines, if yeah. you're not me going like, do we mean gear or do we mean gear? Yeah. yeah. You would look at that trailer and go, this is going to be like a big cinematic story in which like, I'm going to play as they're doing God of war, but, by, but Marvel. Marvel. Right. And with this, well, though, I, God of war also had gear to be fair. Yes, right. Yes. But yes. that is the vibe that I got. Yes. Was hero cuts, big, lots of cutscenes. A deep story that you're supposed to be focused on prestige styling, right? You know what I mean, and and that is falls in line with Crystal's like history of the last ten years yes. doing the the Tomb Raider reboots. Um, but my suspicion is actually functionally, this game has very little in common with what they've shown, mm -hmm. which seems like they've set themselves up right now to turn off people who are interested in something a little bit different 
and looked at this character ball and went like, nah, like I'm okay. Um, and now if anyone that's interested in that part, which may be, you know, a mean, a much more mainstream audience, mm-hmm. um, when, if, when they, when it's revealed that, oh, actually like, this is all about like doing runs on like sections right. over and over again the shield helicarrier again tonight right right like i don't know and i could be but like you've just told me that game when is this game out next year may 2020 okay, so yeah there's so there's, there's, a, there's a long time yeah um it it was a messy pitch i don't think they i think they came away not really satisfying any sector of like someone who might be interested mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. and in my conversation with the studio head i just got the sense that um the, the marketing has betrayed what this game is in a way that they're now going to have to spend time that they could be getting people excited just explaining what the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Star Wars ran into a very similar problem here, right? Where like uh, what they, the forward facing, how yeah. they pitched the game totally. was poor. But I was hoping that Avengers would also have it did behind not. closed doors, doors demo that yeah. wowed people. Yeah, it did not. Um, I, I remain curious, but my... I would say my expectations have been lowered, like, like exceedingly. That's a bummer. That is a bummer. I'm sorry for you. As Thank you, the Marvel fan. I appreciate you that. Know, I um, got Spider Man, and that's like, a yeah, joke. I loved Spider Man, but it's going to be years, two years, three yeah. years before it'll be we a see next, the next gen one. game. Yeah, right yeah, for sure. Um, I'm looking at my list, and it says you also played another thing that I think you're fond of, or yes. have a history of fondness for. Well, yes. Or you didn't play it. Final what? Fantasy. Did you play Final Fantasy VII? Is that oh, playable? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, I played Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Yes. When, the power actually... came, when the power came back on. Right. They were like, <laughs> they let us into a room. And Sephiroth was yes. there, and he was like, I cut the power. <laughs> I wish. To the world with a meteor. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, at first I saw about a 45-minute... <laughs> So that was the it's a good soundtrack. It's yeah. a good soundtrack. Um, uh, I was in a uh, sort of like a forty-five minute presentation with uh, I don't know his first name. Katasi. Katashi. Katasi. 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 I'm pretty sure. Um, apologies for not having it off the top of my head, um, but I, I didn't want to totally butcher it. And so then I just half butchered it and then punted to a Google search. Uh, Yoshinori. Yoshinori Katasi. Yeah, Yoshinori Katasi. Um, in which he sort of walked through. Uh, a little bit more about that game. It didn't reveal anything too specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one thing that's, I think, come out since the, maybe the last time we talked about this game um, was that Jason Schreier uh, asked, so, you know, this is episodic or multiple games. Um, the sense is that this will end with sort of the, for people who play Final Fantasy VII, the escape from Midgar. Sounds like mm-hmm. this, that'll probably be where this ends. Okay. Um and so what is that? Oh, so how many games? And uh, Katase's uh, answer was, well, we don't know yet. Um, in my presentation, they said they've started building the second game already. Understandably. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if part of the reason is is seeing how people respond to the first one. I think also part of it is, if you play Final Fantasy VII, the moment you leave Midgard, that world opens the fuck up yeah. in a way yeah, yeah, yeah. that I it is hard for me to imagine they, I mean, there's still it's, like, it's hard. It's so I, you don't think it'll be Midgar, Midgard, then is it guard? Midgar, 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 then the Eastern continent, then the Western continent. Then you right, get but you're in wind. an airship. Not right away. You get that car for a little while. You got to go to Cosmo Canyon. You got to go to That's Cosmo Canyon. True. You got to go to Golden Saucer. You got to do all that shit that is just driving. There's that whole like Fort Condor section where there's a weird tactics game. That's all before you get the airship. But they can't wait to a third game to yes, get you an airship. Yes, Oof. they can. You could leave that town, get the car. You could. I, mean, I don't think you get the car until you beat Golden Saucer. 
You can do all the Eastern Continent shit. Especially if they're not going to do... You get in a neat- car and it just turns into Final Fantasy 15. I'd be okay <laughs> totally. with that. What? Yes, yes it's, please. But like, it, you, you, Nibelheim, you have... There's all sorts of stuff going on on that yeah. Eastern Continent. And they could make the thing, the, the spoiler for yeah. the first act of that game, be in the middle of game two instead of at the end of game one. Because it sounds like that's not going to happen. There was, yeah, I think yeah. some theorizing that maybe that would be like their way of, one... Now that this game is getting closer to release, like if you haven't played it, it's going to be harder to like avoid mm-hmm. certain discussions about this game. But that second game is what going to come out optimistically three years from now? Sure. Optimistically. Optimistically. They have an engine. Whatever right. the fuck that means. Right. Um, so I didn't learn a whole lot from the, the presentation, but uh, I did get a chance to play it. And the, the bit that I played was like your... Um, you're going to try and set the bomb. So it seems like towards the end of like um, the mission that's been portrayed in a lot of the the trailers, which is the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. um, you are playing as Cloud and Barrett, um, and you go up against a bunch of small soldiers and then um, one of the big, like the spider mech that can like jump on the walls yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and the combat is really fun. Um, I, I think they've very cleverly split the difference on, like I would love for there to be a $200 million game in which it has a fucking classic like turn-based action yeah. time battle menu, but like I, I realize that is not realistic. Yeah. Um, and the, I, I enjoy, the, I feel like they have split it in a way that it satisfies sort of like both camps. Like it feels really good to like go in, slash a little bit with cloud, get the, the your meter your up, up and then it pauses time and you can, uh, you know, use your attacks or you can cast spells. Um, the, the nice thing is if you're like this, this, this battle really only needs me to be cloud. Mm-hmm. But then the other characters have their meters going up um, and you don't have to switch them to use their abilities. Right. You can just hit L2 or R2 cool. based on whether like in the corner it will say like there'll be characters assigned to, to, those, to those buttons. So you can just do that. It pauses the action. You can assign the action and then the character will just do that on their own and then right. we'll be right back to like the main character that, that you're playing as. Um, yeah, I, there's like I don't know that there's a whole lot to say, but I'm like the things I'm interested in were the things they're not talking about yet, which is playing Resident Evil Two and then looking at this game is so interesting to think about the different ways to revisit a work yeah. in which mm. RE Two is not one to one, but like is in spirit yeah one to one of of taking a thing from the, roughly the same era and saying what would that look like now. And while there are changes like the way Mr. X works in which he truly does follow you right. are, are smart ways to accomplish what you, you couldn't have done with technology back then in which the rooms were discreet, in which the game could not simulate. Literally couldn't work that way. Couldn't simulate a character in other rooms while you were there. Mm-hmm. But had the technology existed, it is reasonable to conclude that they might have done something like that. And so it felt like RE2, what it was often doing was not radically changing what that game was to a fault i wish they threw out the sewers and the lab and just did something different in that part of the game or reinvented them yeah, in a way yeah. there are parts I had a better I time with those but i get you yeah. um but whereas like I, claire's run through in that is, is definitely having now seen leon's okay claire's stuff there is way better not way better. I mean, it's still it's still the source it's still the labs but it's it's just a, the, the, the police station is such a it's highlight so good yeah. and and the other areas are just not nearly as interesting and i wish mm-hmm. they had spent some time just rethinking those but yeah. it was the reason they didn't was because the the things that they changed the things they enhanced felt like they were within the scope it's sort of like when someone does 
or we're doing a game with a, a you know an eight bit style, but then there's like extra technical flourishes of things the hardware couldn't accomplish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it feels in the spirit of it, even if it's not necessarily hardware constrained. And that's what RE2 felt like. It was like, oh, it's in the spirit of what this game is about without fundamentally changing what it is. And because of that scope, uh, that limited scope, it felt just like they could yeah. so dial in on certain things. And it just, it, it was a really uh, beautiful way to revisit something that I, I, you don't see done very often and executed to that degree. Whereas Final Fantasy VII is just something fundamentally different where they are saying, we are going to revisit this, expand it. We are right. gonna dive deeper. It's like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean exploring, uh, is that filling in bits that the fandom has wondered out? Is right. that the designers revisiting things like, well, we didn't get a chance to do this the first time around. Like here are storyboards of that we shit thought we, want. we wanted to do, but yeah, ran out of time yeah, and money yeah. and resources and all sorts of reasons. Um, and I just don't know, like they're not talking about those parts. Like we didn't, some of these presentations had Q and A's ours did not. I just, oh, I just wrote down, on, I just wrote down on mine. Like, does she die? <laughs> um, say. And uh, I'm, cause I'm just so curious how they are going to like, from their perspective, it must be, I, I suspect it must be tempting to reinvent, not change things to surprise the player. Or aren't they not? Or are they not or are doing they not, that? Right, are they going right, to play it right. like relatively straight in which... Um, what if they did both? What if, there was a th- what if there was a select at the beginning that was like, is this your first time through? <laughs> or are you a returning player? And if you're a returning player, you're going to get a different experience. We're not going to say what it is. Yeah. Don't do that. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah. But it'd be dope. Yeah, and so like those are the questions that they are just not getting into and may just not get into because that'll be sort of a surprise for, for players. But like the approach to revisiting an old work, both for one that was so defined by the culture around it by fans. Yeah. I don't know. I'm so curious what Square thinks fans want and what fans want. think they want. And also what they do want, but right. might not know, know they right. want. And the tension between those things is like pretty profound, and I don't think I got much closer in in ten in, minutes. In, of... in ten minutes, yeah, in in answering those things because there yeah. just wasn't much dialogue. I I heard Barrett say, "Suck on this, suck on this," a couple of times. Um, uh, did the robot, in fact, suck on this? And this being like a big plasma? Energy no, unfortunately ball? not. Did we did we did watch? You? Huh? Did the robot beat you? No, oh, of course okay. not. Okay. Um, and. Uh, uh, I will say, like during the, the during the presentation, there was a lot more dialogue with Barrett, and there were several sequences in which, and this made me curious about where they'll go with it. In which uh, I do think that I know there were some concerns that Cloud Talking seems to maybe undersell the nature of his character mm. and his like dismissive attitude, in, just as a result of talking as opposed to interpreting through text yeah. and limited polygons. And like, I actually think the performance I saw in like the uh, twenty five minutes or so they played, like. He's he's dickish in the Does way he that like suck? yeah he sucks okay like, he's an asshole he's and actually there's a couple of sequences in which Barrett calls him on his shit um, to the point of like can't you feel the the planet dying you fuckwad like basically mm-hmm. like just really calling and like and him just like you know well if he was to wave his hair that would be Squall that's Final not Fantasy Squall. Eight yeah. Squall waves his hair yeah. Cloud <laughs> does not um, but there are like sequences in which Barrett's character who is someone who cares deeply about saving this planet who cares deeply about because of his daughter to like to go to the extreme measures that he right. is choosing to do um and you know the tension early in final Fantasy VII is whether you know is cloud is just cloud, someone, cloud right. someone here for the paycheck or yes. is cloud because of tifa and blah blah blah, blah right, like right. he's actually invested in the mission um and i did like the fact that there were moments where but the problem is i don't remember like 
maybe something very similar happened in FF7. I think it did. Um, but but having, voice, that, having voice to it, yes. having, a, having, having a, a, a more dynamic camera adds a levity to it, even if I currently remained uh, sort of unswayed by the, the portrayal of, of Barrett. Yeah. I am so curious about that thing to the degree that I don't even want to see it at this point. Right. Like, I'm, I know that curiosity is going to make me buy that game, even if I bounce off of it 10 hours in. Mm-hmm. But my guess is, at this point, I'm going to want to see it through to the end, uh, in the same way that even if these most recent Star Wars movies were bad, I, want, I would want to see them all the way through, just because... I have that in me. It's such a key part of my childhood. Like, it's one of those, I just need to know. I just need to know. I just do. Do you have any Final Fantasy VII questions, Kato? Uh, I did have one about when you said you you could switch to uh, the other characters in battle. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you just play as Barrett? Can you just, like, stick with him the entire time? Or would force you back to cloud eventually so you always revert at least in the demo you revert to cloud when you're running around right i don't know right. if you'll be able to like swap <clears throat> who's the primary party right right or the leader um sure. as like your party expands um because at the point of the game that we're in like you're just starting to expand right um, that party um you couldn't remove cloud from the party in seven could you i don't not that i know of I don't remember specifically I enough. So. And like, um, I get that the story is like yeah, cloud yeah, focused, but, but like, yeah, like in 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 battle, if you wanted to just be one character, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, in, in battle, like, there's, uh, you, I mean, you still want to use the other characters, sure, right? Sure. Um, so like, and basically, what that means is like they will attack by default, right? Um, and then you basically are using their special abilities because uh, I don't think they'll use that. Like, they'll just, I think the meter will just fill and just sit there right. unless you prompt them to. So yeah, like. I, like there was part of the battles where it's like, oh, actually, this is mostly long range. I'm just gonna stick with Barrett, and then as soon right. as I see that meter pop, hit R2, have it him do the whatever, and uh, and you move on. So right. yeah, and also they um, the the sort of hybrid combat system they have is largely sort of like to uh, placate like old school fans, but they have a mode where you can turn it into just a pure action game and it won't Mm. stop. And you can, uh, I think assign like, you know, default characteristics for the other players. So, so maybe actually like that version where you get rid of the turn-based stuff, which characters will just go do shit based on like what you've assigned them to do. And then the game just never slows down. Um, So if you want to play it as, as like that, there is an option to be just like a pure kind of hack and slash Mm. sort of game. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited to see more, more for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. <sighs> Trying to think, if there's anything else we? I feel purely excited to see more from at this point. I saw, I saw Outer Worlds. I enjoyed that demo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll set up the demo for you a little bit. Let me, let me bring up my notes here. Hit me. You so Outer Worlds. The pitch that the cutscene or that the trailers have made, including this most recent one, is pretty simple. The, the space is being colonized by giant corporations, by mega corporations, specifically by a group called the Corporate Board. Um, you are part of a colonization effort and a part of a, a kind of crew of, col- of colonists who gets frozen, or, you know, you're in cryosleep, and the ship goes off course and gets lost for 80 years, 100 years or whatever. And then a mad scientist finds you, a mad scientist finds you, and rescues one of you, one colonist from this group, and brings you out because he needs someone who can, like, shake things up. The corporate board, it has turned out, mega corporations have, have reduced everything down to um, 
kind of commodity form. Everyone is uh, judged constantly, excuse me, on their work performance. The worst thing in the world is to be unemployed. How dare you? It's a betrayal to the code. Um, you know, organized crime elements have, have sprouted up uh, to out of the, the kind of um, trying to find loopholes in the corporate code to run life a different way. You have people who are rebellious and they've gone off to kind of start their own kind of uh, colonies of sometimes bandits, sometimes farmers, whatever. And you wake up and go into all of this in this kind of retrofuturistic sci-fi adventure. And the most recent um, dem or a trailer was like, you know, everything kind of seems like it's locked and safe. The corporate board has this, like, control over everything until you show up. And then you can be the destabilizing force. And maybe you're a hero. Maybe you're a villain. Maybe you're a psychopath, quote, unquote. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And you are the person who is going to, you know, unleash hell, whether that's through investigating the corruption of the corporate board or through, you know, murdering your way across space to to change the the order of things and to to shift shift the the world away from corporate control. Okay. The mission we saw today took place on a new planet they haven't shown before. There's a it's not No Man's Sky, right? right. Uh, it's not a thousand planets. It's probably not even ten planets. They've they've like specifically made sure to put <clears throat> yes uh, in perspective. Like it's also not Fallout, right? Right. In which like it's smaller than that. It's it's like it's pretty. It's not, it's not small, but it's not. Fallout. Big. Yeah, it's not. Like, you're not going to get 80 hours out of this right. thing. You know, um, it is a first-person shooter RPG, like the most recent Fallout games. Uh, today's demo that I saw takes place on the planet Monarch, which is a which is called Monarch because it was a, it was originally called Terra One. It was the first like um, colony candidate uh, where they're going to try to terraform it and turn it into like the new Earth. Uh, and in the process, they fucked up, and they made all the animals really big. And those huge animals destroyed all the corporate infrastructure. It, and so the corporation How started big? to leave. I never saw them, but they were, like, monstrous. It's like the, Monarch the is the fictional cryptozoology agency in the recent Godzilla films. Ooh, something in Kaiju. What? They could be. So one company stayed behind. Okay. And that company's name is Monarch. <gasps> Which is why the plant they're like oh. through a loophole <laughs> by being the last by being the last corporation there they get to be like yeah it's our planet now legally, uh, and that has caused a a big downturn with the rest of the corporate board like Monarch is in the corporate board but they're kind of infighting among the different mega corporations so the mega corporations have blockaded the planet which means that organized crime has sprung up because someone's got to smuggle shit through this blockade sure. and so there is a a, um, a criminal organization that has a front called Sublight Salvage. Uh, that is really they're a salvage operation, but what they're salvaging is goods from other planets that they're actually just delivering through the blockade. <laughs> um, and so the leader of that group, who's this woman uh, named something, I have a, uh, something Malin, Catherine Malin, or something. Okay, wants you to go break into. <sighs> so there, you know, borscht the soup. Mm. Borscht is like a is like a cotto. Yeah. Borscht is a is like a Russian sour soup, an Eastern European soup. Okay. This world has something called borscht that is like boar, like pig, boar borscht. It's very gross where it comes from. Dude. I'm not going to get into it. Why? Because it's too gross. <laughs> it's not it's not waste, but it's gross. Oh. It's, the boars don't die, and it's not milk, and that's all I'm going to say. Oh, well, that's a... I feel like you've given us yeah, like, not enough okay. information. Just say it. They have tumors that you open up and the borscht comes That's out. 
somehow worse than I was. I told you. But you, you're with me, Kyle, yeah, though, right? Like, there was one option left, or maybe two. No, it was not waste, I said. And no, I, you there's said still other blood. options. There's still other options. Yeah, okay, well, yeah, you're right. It, well, yes, that's not waste. And that's why, it was like, you just need to... Yeah, you have to say it this <laughs> way, because <laughs> close the loop. we're, yeah, we're thinking this. So, <laughs> she wants yeah. you to go there and deal with the leader of that group. Okay. And, like, basically, like, take over his local territory. There's, like, some... In fighting, stops them from making. There's the a relationship. Soup. There's like a third. There's a third party. There's some uh-huh. sort of. Anyway, so you go in and they do the cyberpunk thing a little bit of like you can go in guns blazing or you can go in sneaky, and they go through it and they show you okay, you can hack here, you can you can you know fight here. You could if you had a higher charisma score, a higher intimidation score, you can intimidate this person. There's a moment when they're like, and this is something that goes back to the original Fallout. Um, one of the things in the original Fallout was that, or maybe it was Fallout 2 that did this, if you have like a low intelligence score, mm-hmm. certain options are grayed out for you because right. your character isn't smart enough. In this, they've codified that as dumb answers, quote unquote, which is like, yeah, the eyebrow raise, exactly. Um, if your character is a low intelligence, that's an option for you, or it's a goofy answer, basically. And if it's oh. super low, you're locked into that one. So one of them was like, you get to an area where you're looking down on the factory, the, the Borst factory, and there's like some robot guards plus like some human workers. And one of the ways you could you could try to convince them to leave by being like, "Hey, Mr. Borst or whoever the leader of that group is wants you over for dinner." And there was rumors of him being a cannibal. And so like you scare them <laughs> off basically. They're like, sure. you know what? Fuck this. Yeah. I quit. Or the quote unquote dumb answer was like, um, "There's a grease leak in the factory. You all better leave, or else you're going to get real greasy." And it really, it's a bummer that it's called the dumb answer and not like. The goofy and like some other version. I was going to say a like a funny idea. Yes. Um, and I, I wish it wasn't just tied to, I wish it was like, you know, uh, Fallout sometimes does a thing where early on you can take a perk that's called like Wild Wasteland, where it's like, make this game goofier. Add like weird aliens and yeah. pop culture references. Yeah. And I wish it was the box I could check to get those just answers. Just call it Wild. Totally. Just, or something. Wild you know card. What I mean? what, you, the wild, wild card, card actually would work. That like, would work perfectly. Okay, I'm just going to fucking throw it out there yeah, and let's totally. see what happens. Totally. Um, there's some really cool writing in it throughout in terms of just like one of the biggest things for me that I felt was really cool was you had two companions with you. It's been a while since I played a role, like role playing game on a console or a computer in which I had companions who were bantering with each other about the things we were doing. Skyrim? Uh, post Skyrim. No, I'm thinking like it, it felt a little bit that's less like That's what I like mean. That. Like that's, I'm trying to the last I, it's time. It's like I the Dragon Age Inquisition or Mass okay, Effect. sure. In, Mass Effect Andromeda did it. I just don't think it did it particularly right. well. But it's been years, a couple of years since that. And a lot of the RPGs I've played recently, things like Witcher 3, things like Anthem, aren't doing that. Even right. Fallout 76 certainly did not, right? Um, and so... The takeaway ended up having, you know, you go and you meet the guy. Mm-hmm. He gives you the choice. He goes, actually, she's bad. Did they pick the greasy option? They didn't. Oh, they picked no. the one that was like, you're going to go, you're going to get, he's going to oh, eat you. All right, yeah. So I, I, I want to know the, what the I response is. Do they... So you get through, you dot, you stealth pass some people. You know, I'm also skipping some stuff around, hey, like yeah, weapon yeah, upgrades. Sure, sure. Because the takeaway here is like, oh, you played this game before. Right. What's different is the setting. What's different is it's a space game. You're in space. There's a spaceship. There's like the blockade stuff. That's the stuff that I think is like that worked for me pretty well. Right. Um, the big confrontation at the end, he goes, "What if I? What if you and I worked together actually and screw her?" And you're like, oh, "No, screw you." Or like, "No, what if you both work together?" Did which, you hear about that grease? Right? Did you hear about <laughs> that grease? That would, if that had shown back up, that would be great. 
And it's all the game it is. Like, it's all one of those. It's right. all a Fallout first-person style RPG. But that's in the context of Bethesda having gotten away from yes. that shit, even in yes. their own game. Exactly. 76 doesn't have it. Totally. Fallout 4 and some, re- really, really got away from that. It. Yeah, there's some stuff here that does feel genuinely cool and unique. I think the captain, your character, one of the ways that you can build them isn't just like hacker, shooter, melee charmer there's a specific skill set that's like leadership that is about having it's about being captain picard versus being captain kirk right captain kirk throws fists gets down there captain picard's a leader captain picard doesn't know how to hack a computer but you know his crew does his crew has you have a fighter and so the leadership skill lets you get access to the abilities that the rest of your crew has both in in conversation checks so like let's say you have a hacker in Hmm. your group instead of being like you go hack this it's just like you get that skill point Past Fallout games have definitely fucked that up, where it's like, um, I have a really great hacker with me. I can't open this fucking door because my hacking skill isn't good enough. Right. Why can't this person whose entire thing is they're a hacker just do this for me? Right, right, and to some right. degree, they've been able to, they've, they've changed that over the years, but sure. it has not been consistent. Um, but that also includes things like stealth skills. Like there's a bit where you're trying to sneak past these robots, and because you have like a big game hunter who's really stealthy with you, your stealth score goes up. And like, and that's specifically because the, that character build is about getting the most out of your crew, which is a neat thing. Like, I think that's a, a unique, a, a unique thing. The companions you have all have like specialty skills that they can use. You can tell them to use like a Mass Effect character having abilities, not like a whole wheel of them, right. but like a signature ability, and you can kind of call on them to use it. And it does like the kind of Vats cutscene style thing. And that's cool. It has a thing where you, instead of having vats, it has like time dilation because you're coming out of cryo sleep for so long that you can slow down time. And when you do that, you can scan enemies and you'll be able to read like, here's what their role is. Here's how much HP they have. Here's what they're weak to. Here's like a little factoid about them that's pulled from a hat, you know, which is happening everywhere right now. That's, you know. Factoids. Factoids. Trend of E3. Hey, that person's a person. And then you well, shoot. And then you uh, shoot them. I was gonna, yeah, cyberpunk. That person's a, mm. Mm, no, no. In fact, the the opposite of treating people like like people. Um, so, I had the interview afterwards, and I, you know, it was a totally good conversation with uh, someone who's like a quest designer on sure. that game. Um, and uh, a lot of the, the kind of conversations that I ended up having having were things that, like the one I talked about before. Hey, how how eager or how willing are you to cut off content from a player? Right. And the answer was like, not really. Like occasionally, occasionally there'll be really big main story choices. Or I asked about like inner party conflict characters who don't want to do stuff. And, was, and the guy I was speaking to was like, yeah, towards the end game, there's like one character you can kind of piss off because you've kind of gone down a road he's really opposed to. But if you pass the charisma check, you'll be able to get him back on board. And I, as a player, I'm just losing interest in that style of game. I was. It's one of the reasons I loved, uh, one of the things I loved about Vampire from last year right. in which... There were uh, right. a series of conversations in which I gave an answer that wasn't an intelligence check. It was just part of a dialogue wheel. And there was one specific moment where I gave uh, kind of a snotty answer because I wasn't taking the conversation particularly seriously. Because usually when games like this are like, this is a serious conversation. This is a choice. You need to think about what's happening because consequences will sprinkle out. Right. I just was being snarky, and yeah. then the quest line just died. Right. And it didn't tell me it was going to happen. I was so mad at first because yeah. I was like, why wouldn't game? I would have thought about this, mm-hmm. but actually, and, I, and I've written about this since, it's like what was brilliant about it was because it didn't communicate that it was a capital C choice. Right. I made the honest answer. I made the answer that I wanted to make in the moment, but I would have made something more conservative, something that kept the quest al- 
alive yeah. if I had been told like one thing is going to stop this here, right? The other thing's going to keep it going. And I liked the fact that the game said like no, like this person is actually mad at you and Fuck like, off. and just like big X goes over the quest on the screen. I was like Fuck. But yeah. like I look back on that even though I was mad at the moment with a deep sense of satisfaction for like how that so defined a specific playthrough of right, that game. Right. Well, and for me, the, the other thing here is just like there was a time when what I wanted was one, a game with a bunch of content to consume. And so please don't lock anything off from me. Mm-hmm. But two, those so sort of like small hits of like, oh, my character is doing it slightly differently because, because I have the hacking skill and you have the engineering right. skill. And so those are different. And you fucked with the valve and I hacked the valve. And that still felt distinct enough for me to feel like we were playing our own unique paths. One, that doesn't feel that distinct to me anymore. And then two, it feels more and more like I'm not as interested in that style of player centricity. I think it's really hard to completely break away from player centricity in games. Right. The games are AAA games at, at places like E3 are products that people want us to spend money on, and the vast majority of players want games that make them feel good about right. being the player. Um, and being the they don't want to be told I paid for content. Why are you blocking me from totally. content? But I more and more want to hit brick walls in games. Yeah. And so one of the questions I ended up asking was like, "Hey, in the recent a lot of the recent marketing material, a lot of the the trailers, it's like take down these fucking corporations." Um, and I kind of you know I, I asked it kind of circuitously, but like, how do you def- how do you figure out ways to make interesting choices inside of that very limited? Like goal, if the if you're going to be the character who like shakes things up, who like calls out the corporations and what they're doing, but you have an audience that's really interested in like um, making fr- the, the freedom of choices, how do you like line up that ethos? And his response was, "You got to hear both sides." Was like the game is about here is you don't need to go against the corporations. Like yeah, that's what the trailer kind of suggested, but really you could go into a town. Be like, you know what? Things here are working pretty good, actually. And I'm going to, like, defend the corporate interests against the raiders who are outside or whatever. Because this is a good corporation where things are going well. And it's more about, like, hey, judging each thing on its own. I want to be, like, there were, this person had, like, some really good answers about some yeah, other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The process of, like, they're, figuring they're, out they're the They're not, like, centrism is great. No, 100% not. But, like, in that moment, it was like, this is that game. This right. is the game where you roll into town. The marauders who are sympathetic because of reasons X, Y, Z, but are too aggressive and they're too violent, are up against the corporation, who are oppressive because of X, Y, Z. This back to that, the, the quote we were talking 100%. about um, from, a, from a couple of days ago. From, was that from That was Avalon? Avalon, yes. Yeah, in which he's like, I'm, I'm asking questions, and then asking or questions. Or to the Ubisoft it, blog that was right. like, we're trying to show 360 degrees of a problem. In which, in which yeah, re- like they, they, the idea is representing all viewpoints, thus landing with or letting the the player letting chooses the, player the viewpoint cho- right and right. and i want developers i'm excited when developers choose some viewpoints right which which frankly is part of why i'm so fucking frustrated with the cyberpunk stuff in this last 48 hours first the the revelation of the inclusion of that really transphobic poster and then now there have been a couple of interviews with the artist who made that poster that we you can listen to the show yesterday to get more details on the basic issue um, but then there were interviews that went up on polygon and then on Eurogamer today in which they say like here is the message of the game is like consumerism fucking sucks 
and it's human a, bodies. Is a woman. Is a woman. Yeah, yeah. It's a woman. I just want to make. I believe yeah. a cis woman. Yeah. Uh, I, her, her, her. Whether she was cis or trans was not brought up in either of those right. interviews, um, and so I believe a cis woman. Uh, but regardless, the position that she was taking was this transphobic poster is in this game because the one of the messages of the game is that you know uh, corporate power and capitalism commodify sexuality and commodify bodies. But the way that that answer came across in which she's referring to things like people in between male and female and not in a way that was about like gender fluidity or about non people who are non-binary and also non-binary explicitly means not between. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, it's a singular it, thing. Absolutely. It is not or a, at least so there are some folks who do, who do, uh, who do feel like they float between right. male and female right. or are somewhere in there, but many non-binary people explicitly don't want to be told or, or, or are, it's are not, between, not. It's not between two they points. They are not between two points. Exactly. Um, a lot of the, and this, I, I'm not nitpicking the language here, but the ways in which her response was, the artist's response was like, here is what our ideology is, is what I want from developers, but the specifics of that argument were just like so frustratingly bad and doubled down on stuff that was dehumanizing and fetishizing about like her gaze of like trans women's bodies and and of that specific body in particular that was just like so disappointing because again I want developers to take big swings but I want them to do it with the knowledge and and the the like care that it requires um, and so and I want them to do things like say here is the vision of the game I, I want to be that is what excites me is when I develop I, this game has a vision it is not pretending to have a 360 degree view of things even though you're always going to be the person who holds a gun even though you're always going to be the person right. who is the, the action taker um, and so Outer Worlds bugged me because it's this old fucking thing. It's this old design that I will probably still play and probably get some enjoyment of, but I'm going to enjoy it the way I enjoy a burger from the diner that I go to and not like, wow, this is a new fun experience. Right. And I'm frustrated by Cyberpunk because Cyberpunk wants to be or is positioning itself as if it is like the hot new shit, as if they're like really pushing out new ideas and are willing to take a fucking stand on this stuff, but they're doing it in a way that is not particularly, not just sensitive, but thoughtful right. about the, the issues, the complexities of the issues that are out there. Like that answer today frustrated me because it felt like a one-on-one answer to uh, like a senior level advanced course problem, which right. is the sexualization of trans bodies and queer bodies is not, cannot just be like, well, I think all bodies are sexy. Like that doesn't work. Like it is so much more, if you have skin in the game, you have so much, you know that there is so much more complexity to that. And yeah, so that is, that is my takeaway from the world of action, our first person action RPGs here at E3 2019. I don't know. Is there anything else we saw today? Kyle, you saw you played Ghost Recon, right? I know you didn't yeah. have the best teammates, so it wasn't the best experience. But did, was there anything interesting, like even within that? Not really. It was the same demo that we saw with Rob. Um, did you do better at the shooting? Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that game's got bad cover system. Yeah, you is, mentioned that you didn't like that part. Why? It. it it, you have to like push up against a wall for it to click in, but then you can't really tell if you're in cover. I hate games that that's their approach to and cover. Like, Just give me a button, and then like so that I know I am right. I'm cover. like yeah, stuck. I would in. love it. Or and like it's particularly frustrating because it's a 
a lot of what we were doing in that mi- in that mission in that demo was stealth. So like, I want to know that I'm hidden behind this box right. and not like going to be spotted because my like I'm a little too far out. Right. And like you, which, if it, which if it was hit A to go and cover, you know, all right, I, the game is registering that I'm in cover. Yeah. And like, you know, like what there's there was no way to like go up to a corner of a wall or anything mm-hmm. and right. like do the peek around because you would just keep walking. <laughs> so like that once, sucks. yeah, once I like walked off the wall in like in, uh, into an enemy and like was able to take them down fast enough, but otherwise was spotted. Right. And it was really, you know, it doesn't feel great. Like, and that's unfortunate because the, I mean, Ubisoft's a million different um, studios, but like it, de- it definitely feels like there's they're using things between they like they like it feels like they share ideas sometimes and it's like yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. some of the feel of um like like for example um the cover system that they use in the division is one that they like began with back in the um oh, that splinter cell game where uh, blacklist chaos or theory no before those like original xbox no 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 wait blacklist was the last one no it wasn't the last one it was like in the middle conviction Oh, the one, the one that had the big letters yes, up on the that building? Yeah, that one. That one has what is essentially the same cover system that, like, they use in uh, The Division now. Right. And that mm-hmm. cover system, actually, I really enjoy because it, not only do you stick to walls, but if you look at another wall and you hold the cover button, right. you run to it right. in, in, like, a, you know... It's binary. Yeah. Like it's like from you're, here to here, yeah, yeah. and then I'm in a, but it's a also, concrete state. But it's also not binary enough to where you hit the button, and right, you right, are like, right. I'm going to flip the cover switch. Right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that was kind of, that was frustrating to play. It was just the, it, it feels weird for a game that seems to be a, a lot about hiding and taking synchronized shots with your team, and like, I that was also another thing that like didn't happen just because of the people I was playing with. Oh, we had yeah. it's a four you, it's a four person demo with right. one of the devs or one of the workers at the booth and um three other people and the two people that we were with just like were, were not paying attention to the poor guy who like had to ask him multiple yeah. times so like <laughs> come on please we're come going over this here. Please way come over please here. like all right that's too bad yeah which was unfortunate but Is like, it enough uh, that you like are curious to play it when it comes out i don't know like i think so we i didn't really talk about this a lot but when um rob played it they did the secondary thing where they go out and basically do it was that robot that he mentioned that he kept Right. Mm-hmm. When yeah, I was they like, ran, they the ran out of grenades or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And like it felt like it felt like um almost like a public event in Destiny. Mm. And it feels like that's kind of how they're setting up this yeah. island is like there'll be things that you can just go do with your friends and in like, between missions or on the way to a mission. Right, like that's just Ooh. organically in yeah. Did they talk about the way missions are located in this game to y'all? Um Cause when they when no, I saw the pitch It the, was very much I don't. Here's the thing that I don't understand is how we get on the path that we start the mission on. Yeah. But like we get, we infiltrate this facility. You get up to. Um, but I mean, before the, that stuff. No, before no, but you go talk to the, the woman. Here's the thing: when you do talk to the woman, there's a dialogue choice that then puts you in a in like a new a new mission, basically. Right, right, right. Um, because but, you're not in a mission before that. That's no. the thing. So the way that they explained this yeah. a couple months ago is that you will get. 
it's almost more like the Far Cry 5 situation of you will get tips in the world about there being like something like so for instance in that one it was like yeah i heard that there was like a drone uh research base in the green forest or the north forest it doesn't put like a question mark on the map though it does not does it mark down anywhere like in a notebook like hey by the way you've heard about this it does that there's like a list of those things but over to the side in your map it'll be like yeah there's there might be a drone for a drone thing in the north forest okay so you go to the map you drop a waypoint you go investigate the North Forest. But it is not... And then when you get there, you find her. She's already there in the world. And the mission triggers when you talk to her. Everything yeah. up until that point is the open world dy- dynamic shit. We're like, yes, there's a base there that has defenses. Can you just go... Could you not talk to her and just go fuck around in that base? Like, yeah, how does totally. the, okay. yeah. kill everybody that, in their base. That's I mean, what yes. the two people I was playing with were doing. Right, right. <laughs> like, there was like a very clear path that we were like trying to sneak around, take right. out only the people we needed to take out. Right. And they kept like running around the perimeter and getting into fights because that's what they wanted. I wonder to do. how the game world responds to the idea that, okay, let's say you dropped a waypoint. Yeah. You come in behind that structure. Mm-hmm. The quest giver is on a tour, is not near you. You clear out that place. Mm-hmm. Then, when you talk to the quest giver, does it just repopulate that place again, mm-hmm. or is it like, cool, yeah, you picked up the data pad yeah. or whatever? Like, yeah. I just wonder how that stuff, given the lack of direction they're giving you as a player. I think part of that is so. What happens in this one specifically, well, is that the mission on the way out, you're actually carrying her out of the compound. Mm. Is that it? Populates it. Re, it does. It did repopulate with uh, the enemies called the wolves. Yeah, the wolves show up in that case. Right. Like, that's like, the thing. Okay. You, you talk to her, and then she is like, "Before we go, we have to deactivate these bombs, yeah. or whatever, or you have to place the bombs." Or no, you, you have to deactivate the bat. She's like got it's like proprietary batteries for the drones. That's or something what it that is. You have, they yeah, have yeah. to like sabotage. <clears throat> and but, so you go and do that. Yeah. And then you come back to her a second time, and you talk to her, and then the wolves come in. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish this had been like revelatory, and you you would have been like, I wish you were gonna come back and been like, Rob's a schlub. I'm a badass. (laughs) I mean, yes, still. Wow. For different, like different things. I didn't get to fight the. I really wish that the 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 robot bit was was in our demo, but it wasn't. Unfortunately, yeah, totally. Wanted to. I wanted to fight it. God. Um, we also saw a game called Kill Squad in the oh, yeah. Indicade booth, yes. which is in early access this summer on Steam. Right. Um, 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 how do we do it? It's like a four-player action RPG. Yeah, yeah. It, you know what it reminded like, me of? It was Helldivers. Yes. It reminded me of Helldivers. Um, I was thinking of Alien Swarm, but there was also Melee in here. So it was a yeah, so it was like class-based and you get objectives on a proc gen map. I've looked up mm. some of the stuff that they didn't tell us necessarily. Right. Um, you're kind of like a space bounty hunter in a sci-fi future. I was playing a robot with a plasma gun. You were playing kind of like... I was playing Jason. You were playing Space Jason. You were really playing Jason X. Yeah, I was playing Jason X. This is yeah. what Jason did after Jason X. Exactly. Living in space. And then... With a big big, big hammer. hammer. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, it's like an action RPG. We play with controllers. Yeah. Um, one cool thing with it is that every mission you do, you level up. And right. so it reminded me of a MOBA in that sense, where you're like choosing your ability upgrades in each mission. I don't know what the what the bigger picture progression is. I don't mm-hmm. know if there are. It looked like there were skill trees and stuff like that, and like gear and stuff in the right. in the inventory and skill screens. Yeah. 
like you would level up and you'd be like, all right, do I want to upgrade? For me, I had like a, an electric, like a electric fence I could toss up, like mm-hmm. a just not a full fence that was electrified. Right. Just like, you know, floating electricity. Right. I had like a plasma ball I could shoot that did a big AOE and I had a heal. I could drop like a healing Thing. Oh, thank you for those. I yeah, was wondering I where those were best. coming from. <laughs> and so, for instance, as I leveled up, I would get an option where it would be like, do I want the – one of the ones I got was like the electric fence would shoot when someone triggered it, like a big attack. Uh-huh. Another time, it was like uh, the ball that I shot, the like plasma ball would have two like pilot balls around side of it that like also did damage. Nice, and yeah. the big final one I got that got us through that final boss fight was – when I dropped my healing like uh, kit, my med kit on the yeah. ground, and someone picked it up, it did an AOE heal, that and that really... is what kept me alive at the yeah, very end. Absolutely, um, I, I had a melee character that had similar like so. Yeah, the progression. My my abilities were um, a taunt, which would have all the enemies in a certain radius like attack me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a spin move, uh, classic bar- like uh, barbarian, like a Diablo mm-hmm. uh, whirlwind situation. Uh, and the one move that would stun enemies where I would jump really high in the air and then come down with the hammer yeah. and be stunned for like three seconds. And then one of the upgrades was like when you do the yell, you also give uh, allies a boost for ten to all their damage for 10 seconds after you yell as well as taking aggro. Or like at the very end, I, I got like um, it was an it was actually an, an additional ability where I could just at every like minute or so give everyone shields where everyone was immune. Yeah. That, and that was really um yeah. You know, it was it, fun to like like on the fly pick, you know, what was what I felt was going to be really useful given like the swarms of enemies we were yeah. facing and things like that. That was like the coolest thing for me. Was, like, I could imagine there being a, a, a situation where you go into an uh, into a map and you realize like oh wow this is a, a map where or, you know a, a mission where I'm going to need a lot of AOEs versus here's right. one where I'm going to need like some turrets or whatever that ability tree looks like yeah. and so being able to do that on a per map basis is really cool yeah totally. um I think that that's kind of it you saw Psychonauts two yeah today? which we talked looks, about yeah it, it look, I I liked the first Psychonauts a lot I am glad they're making another one it looks incredibly creative from an artistic standpoint yeah. and I'm glad the gameplay part is catching up like the platforming looks all right the combat looks all right I don't need that stuff to be great I need it to be yeah. good and it seems like it's that and I laughed I chuckled it's like it, yeah. it's, it's, it's very funny it's, like, it's yeah. very funny yeah totally I'm gonna wrap back around briefly to the cyberpunk thing because I was like my brain is like continuing to go down the like well, maybe I didn't maybe there's something I didn't hit here, which is if you read the interview with the artist, she makes the case that is this is satire. This is in the game because we think that this is shitty and that you the player are supposed to understand that it's shitty and it's one more aspect that's showing you how people are oppressed in this world. And the thing that I really want to underscore is if that's the case, the way to do that is not simply to to kind of reiterate or not reiterate but to to um include the same style of uh harmful material that already exists in the real world that's not satire you don't just replicate it to and and say but here it's bad you have to actually interrogate it and make it key if there had been a mission that was like you're talking to the trans model and or you're playing as the trans model whose body was objectified and they have like 
a really well-written story and, a, and a, a, a mission with great performance that is about that objectification, that is about the lack of control of your, of your um, image and of the way your body is sexualized, that is about fetishization, which is what the artist is saying the inclusion is supposed to be about, maybe, maybe if it's well-executed. But when it's just tossed in there the way it was, and then doubly so when that image shows up in an actual piece of marketing for the game, because the reason people found it was it's in the background of this NVIDIA shot. Right. When that's not an asset that's been like marked and been like, hey, let's make sure this doesn't show up. Because people don't have the context. People don't have the context. If there had been that context and if there had been care taken, then maybe we sit down and get to have that conversation. But when it happens like this, it feels thoughtless and negligent and doesn't feel like it's something that's being handled with care. So I just wanted to wrap back around and lay that back out in this way because I think there are complexities to the question of how do you represent oppression? Because you've also heard me on this podcast be like, I'm really bored with the mages are queer people or people of color that style or like right. the X-Men are just stand-ins right. because in truth I as a black person can't shoot laser beams from my eyes and in fact when you look at things like the testimony about the killing of Michael Brown it is explicitly the ways in which black bodies are framed as mutant bodies are framed as uh, uh, demonic bodies that violence is justified and so I am very particular and like frustrated by uh, works that do do the thing of being like hey, this is a fictional stand-in for real marginalized people. So I do want there to be works that lean into telling the real stories of marginalized people directly instead of by analog. But when you do it like this, it comes across to me, and again, I don't have this particular skin in the game. I'm a queer black man, but I am not a trans person. I wouldn't like speak for trans folks. Though what I am trying to do is, is raise the voice and the, the, the voices of and the perspectives of trans folks who've reached out to me and talked to me about this issue in the last 48 hours, like you have to do it right if you're going to walk down this path. In the same way that if you include the slave trade or sex trafficking or honestly like murder, like, like you know, uh, in a game, you should be thinking about those consequences. Like, and there are times when this game seems like it wants to do that stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's frustrating what it is. I mean, you know, uh, today Call of Duty came out or, or Activision came out and was like, we're going to walk back some stuff in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, we're rethinking some of the more troubling elements of the game. And I hope that that's something that CD Projekt Red does. It is not too late for that game to bring on more consultants, to bring on a more diverse writing team to revisit that stuff. There are people out there who do that work and I hope that they, that they pay them. And bring them in to do it because uh, I want that game to be the good version of we look at the world and we see commercialization, we see commodification, we see the ways in which companies are controlling everything and, and you know, uh, objectifying people and turning everyone's personal lives into commodity and for them to knock that out of the park. You know I do. But they're not going to do it if what they do is just have individual people on the team figure out ways to do that on their own without good consultant. And, you know, maybe they did pay for consultants here. Keep doing it. Keep keep doing that work and, and try to do better because a year from now we'll have all played that game or we'll have not played that game because more content will come out that's like, yikes, you know what? I'm not going to support it. And we'll be able to look back and truly evaluate it and go like, well, what was the thing? What was it? 
did it add up into something and as every with every game we see here i want it to add up into something special i want to be able to to look back and be like the first time i played star wars it was fucking great and then it came out and it was even better the first time i saw cyberpunk it looked cool and then it came out and it was rocky but it came out and it was good i want to be optimistic about these games and so it's just like to do this job right for us is not to just give the preview list of like there are 32 guns <laughs> it's like here's where you need help right now do that get that help you know right. um so michael jordan stop it get some help <laughs> uh so you know i think yet again we're ending here with a with a podcast today cd project Red. not at 2 a.m though to me. so no it's not even 10 yeah we did the damn hell thing. yeah we can i'm gonna eat ice cream it's hell early enough yeah. now danica brought us ice cream thank, thank you danica, danica. Also, Danica, I need you to sign that paper again because my computer fell asleep last night and I lost your signature. Thank you. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Rights and Clearances Department. She's right here. She's going to sign it. It's going to be okay. What do, uh, I guess as we close, what are you, what are you seeing tomorrow? What am I seeing? Oh, Nintendo. I'm going to the Nintendo booth. Nintendo. Kato is going to come with me. Natalie's so, going to come with I'm me. so angry. Um, yeah. I could sneak you in, except that you are going to be have, seeing something yeah, else at I that have, exact time. Yes. What are you going to be seeing? I don't know. This Google Doc won't. I can tell you. Thank you. Can you tell me what I'm going to see? While I step into the Nintendo booth, you're going to be seeing. Oh, I'm going to see uh, uh, Control. I'm going to play Control for an hour. And before that, I'm going to first Carrion. Yes. Which I don't remember what that is. It's a Devolver horror game in which the flip is that you're like the evil. It's a pixel game. You're the monster. You're the monster. Right, right, right. That's cool. And then. I don't. How do I. What if I just got up and stood in the corner until you realized? Oh, Blair Witch! Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go see good. that game and talk I to the send developers. You to the Don't I will just start Ooh. crying. Yeah, uh huh. Um, and then you're also gonna see something else really good. Say hi to the queen of all sharks and all. Oh right, Earth yeah, man eater. Oh hell yeah! So that should be fun. Um, and then Kato, you are gonna do Cyberpunk tomorrow. So oh yeah, you'll well, be able to weigh in on that demo. Yeah, Rob's gonna see that too. I, it's not on his list. No, but Did oh, he, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's yeah, just earlier. So. It's not the same demo. No, it's right. demos. Stacked. Right. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. That's all Rob has tomorrow. <laughs> it's at three p.m. We can talk about E3 tomorrow. Yeah, we'll have we'll have the we'll we'll do we'll do some checklisting on these other games. Yep. Yeah. We've done most of the heavy lifting on games that are going to be really long discussions, so we can kind of talk. We can do the E3 discourse and close yeah. things out um, early tomorrow. Yeah. Sounds good to Rob me. Rob can sleep until one o'clock. You know what? Good for him. He cooked us food this week. He did. Yeah. He sat in that very. We small mocked car. him for that idea. We still have too much food. There are like thirteen bananas. You know left. what? We ate more than I expected, though. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I'm with we you. Made Absolutely. A good. good he made. Chunk. He made us fried eggs. Those were so. good. He made us breakfast. He made yeah. breakfast. Like and it took real. requests. He's like, I made some hard boiled eggs. But I if also you do fried eggs, do fried oh, eggs. Okay, two please. My E3 was better for this. Yeah. So shout outs to Rob we for cooking. We should do that again tomorrow. You'll when do we be have gone, to get in? Yeah, sure. When do we have to get in? He has a 9.30. Oh, damn. You'll be gone. I have yeah. a noon. We can do it tomorrow. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's do some eggs and bacon. It was the only sure. Blair Witch they had. And I was like, oh, okay. I get you. I was Shark is first. You're at Shark at 10. So, yeah. yeah. That is going to do it for us. Check in tomorrow for our final day of E3 2019 coverage for all the things we just talked about and more, including Danica off mic. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say. Joel. Oh, is Joel here? Yeah. Where's Joel? He's in the kitchen. Oh, wow. That was far. I could hear that carried all the way here. Hi, Joel. Hi. Joel's here. The whole family has been here this week, except for Mike Diver. Mike Diver, shout out to you. 
Uh, you follow Mike Diver on Twitter <laughs> at Mike Diver. You follow me at what's, Austin, that, what's his website? Uh, the Lad Bible. Yeah, the game section, right? Mm-hmm. Hi, Joel. If you talk into this microphone, I don't need to make you sign something, but you should say hi anyway. Hi. What are you eating? What is this? He uh, got the ramen that we. No, I got lo mein. Okay, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that place was all right. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Was, was don't solid. get that pizza. Follow me at Austin underscore Walker. You can follow Patrick at Patrick Clepicado at A underscore Cotto underscore Pierce. Everything me. that Waypoint does. Twitter.com slash Waypoint. Facebook.com slash Waypoint Vice. Right here at YouTube.com slash Waypoint Vice. Is it still Waypoint Vice, the Facebook one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's not Vice Games. All right. So Twitter.com slash Waypoint 2, baby. <laughs> we ain't giving that up quite yet. My my, all of our easy badges say different things. Mine just says you're I, the only what, one who leveled up and left us behind. Well, but when I registered, I remember raising it to everyone. I was like, I wonder what you registered at because they won't let you change it when you re-register. Oh, and mine said Waypoint Dash Vice last year, and yet, and somehow I just became Vice. I still have Waypoint. I shouldn't. That's what my up. yeah. That's a QR code. Don't that's do QR. that. I still have Waypoint. Wait, Vice. they can't see it. That's fine. Hold on. Don't worry about it. It's, it you just, know what? It, it doesn't fucking his matter. Name. It has my name. It says Waypoint hyphen Vice. Cados is Waypoint. Half a Vice. Half a Uh Waypoint. Waypoint. Parentheses Vice. I think Natalie's just says, this is Waypoint.Vice.com. <laughs> <laughs> Yours would say um, new.donk.city. <laughs> Uh yeah, so check us out tomorrow. We'll be doing one more day of this, and then you'll find us actually tomorrow night. Yeah, over on the giant bomb couch, and we're gonna go visit our friends there and hang out and catch up. They don't up. know it yet. We're just gonna we're show gonna go, up. We're gonna show up, and they're gonna put us on the couch or else. That's reasonable. That's or reasonable. else or else. God, can you take us out with some good good? Oh yeah, that music's can going. we? Okay. What? Did you see this? I'm going to open up. Is it Instagram? I haven't seen anything. Oh, do you want to just show them out here? Yeah, you have it ready to go. Can you zoom in on Patrick's phone in a second? Shout outs to Acast, which is the company that puts the ads in our our, uh, podcast. Yeah. Because I'll just show it to you uh, by going live, Joel. Uh, Pull this over here. Yeah, wow, we're live on YouTube for real. Look at this. That does look good, right? And here we go. Uh, Acast put a little uh, promo up for us that they uh, that they did. Here comes Kato zooming in on it, bit by bit. What's that say, Joel? Can you see? Not yet. He's doing his best. We're on delay. YouTube has a longer delay than Twitch does. I think you can turn it up. Did it go dark? I'm gonna zoom in on my own computer. It is kind of small. I do see the Waypoint logo. What else do you see? What's it say? What's it say, Joel? Have a holly jolly gamer Christmas. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Acast. I think they just heard us do the Christmas music bit, and they were like, "Yeah, that's a that's an advertisement." So, thank you to Acast for doing that. Gotcha. Okay, well, there there you go. And happy holidays to you too, gamers. We'll see you tomorrow with more from E3 2019. Peace. I was standing up. Peace. Hold on one second. All right, ready? Yeah.
Peace. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Bye. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> nice. All right. We're done by 10. Yeah. All right. Hell yeah.